Sunbelt Federal Credit Union presents a golden holiday opportunity. Start with a $500 certificate of deposit, then choose from 10 months at 5.40% annual percentage yield or 18 months at 5.60% APY. So why not take them up on this golden holiday opportunity at Sunbelt Federal Credit Union? Stop by any Sunbelt branch office or visit sunbeltfcu.org. Secure your future with smart savings. Sunbelt Federal Credit Union, federally insured by NCUA. Hello, everybody, on the podcast radio side of Spaced Out Radio tonight. We are getting into the Rancho books, spirituality, and everything in between. I'm sure we'll dabble in a little bit of consciousness there as well. Donna Dingalo will join us tonight, and we are going to make sure that we have a good show. D. Cohen, thank you for joining us. There's Bill WD-40 lubing us up for tonight's show. We appreciate that we want to go into a show nice and smooth. Mentira, how you doing? Good to see you. And Peter N. from Massachusetts, welcome to Spaced Out Radio's chat room. Thank you for joining us. Don't forget, if you're new here, hit subscribe, ring that bell. The Super Chat is open. It's a wonderful way to support what we do on this show on a nightly basis. So thank you so much for joining us. Uh, We really do appreciate it. And what else can we say here? You can do some shopping at our Spaced Out Radio store on our website. Yep. We do not have ugly swag, people. We do not have ugly swag. Why? Because we want you to wear our stuff. That's why. That's totally why. You know, you don't want to walk around wearing ugly stuff. So we don't want you doing that. So that's why there's no ugly swag at our store. Hey, put May 10th through 12th, 2024 on your calendar. Why? That's our third annual fan party in Reno, Nevada. There are hotel specials to book right now at the Silver Legacy Casino and Resort. Here we go. Horns up. From the mountains of central British Columbia to you listening around the world, this, my friends, is Spaced Out Radio. I am your host, Dave Scott, sitting in the captain's chair of SOR headquarters. We welcome you to tonight's show on our terrestrial affiliates around North America, digitally on Odyssey Radio, TalkStream Live, and KPNL. All of our archives are free. Join us at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do old Davey the favor, hit that subscribe button. You can follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and you can join us on Patreon at the SOR Space Travelers Club. Our website, spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the newswire, check out our swag as well. Tonight's show is brought to you by Chive Charities. Help make the world 10% happier by visiting Chive Charities today. You can find them on our website. We got a great show for you tonight. We are going to be talking about the Urantia book. It's a book we've never talked about on this show. Donna Dingolo is here tonight, and we're going to get into it. And I'm sure she's going to correct me on her last name. I'm, I'm pretty positive on that. Then, in hour number three, Steve Stockton is here with another spooky story, followed up by the UFO report with Courtney Marcassani. All right, let's get right to it. 
Donna was raised in a traditional Christian church, but began her spiritual journey in earnest of 1975 upon reading the Urantia book. And it has been an active promoter in higher universe and deity concepts throughout the course of her life. Back in 1992, she began to meditate daily to perceive the leadings of the indwelling spirit of God and learn to transmit the messages of various divine and celestial personalities who were providing information about the massive spiritual upliftment effort now occurring on the planet. Now, with Donna, she's a researcher. She's a follower. She's a writer. She's an author. She wears many hats, and we're glad to have her here. Donna, thank you so much for joining us on Spaced Out Radio tonight. How badly did I butcher your last name on top of that? Let's just get to that right off the bat. Well, not as bad as some people have. It's pronounced D'Angelo. D'Angelo. Okay, there we go. Now that we got it, we'll never screw it up again. (laughs) That's quite all right. I'm used to it. You know what? I actually broke my cardinal rule. And just for everybody to know, as a journalist, the rule is prior to doing an interview, you always ask for the correct pronunciation of the last name. And for some reason, I forgot to do that. So this is my going back to journalism 101 now on how to pronounce last names. So Donna, thank you for correcting me. Oh, you're you're so welcome. And um, thank you for that. So, yeah. You've been doing this a long time, trying to find your own spirituality, your own path, your own way of of learning what life is about. That's a big commitment. I mean, you're looking at 1975. That's 49 years almost that you've been questioning things. What put you on this path? What made you wonder if there was more out there? Thank you. That's a great question. I guess it always uh, was with me as a child. Um, I had an interest in God. I also had an interest in ESP, and I knew somehow that they were related. But I certainly didn't get that when I was in being raised in the uh, Lutheran tradition, uh, that my parents were involved in a church, and I went to Sunday school. I even taught Sunday school for a while. But when I was in uh, my early years, uh, teen years, going through two years of catechism, there was something that happened within me that the catechism and the theology that I was learning was so flat and had no energy that I started to question and I became agnostic. So in my early and later teens, I was very, very skeptical. I knew that there was a God And I knew that I believed in Jesus. I just didn't believe the things I was being told about them. (laughs) So, um, and and of course, you know, in my young young adult life and later teens, I always, you know, wondered, well, who am I and why am I here? And, you know, what am I supposed to be doing with my life? So when I found the Urantia book in 1975, I was 21. And I found it in the library in Buffalo, New York, where I was raised. And when I I took the book off the shelf and I opened it and it was like my truth bells went off. Ding, ding, ding. You found what you were looking for. And I had such a visceral reaction to the book. And I've never had that with any other book that I've ever read that it immediately grabbed my attention. It, it, 
helped me understand who I was in relationship to the big thing we call life. And I didn't have an orientation until I read that book. And the, the book is so large, it's 2,100 pages, and it covers such a broad variety of topics on who we are, the nature of God, the nature of reality, the big spiritual cosmology that is a part of all creation, what happened to this planet and why we're so messed up. It goes into the history of our planet. So it was just an incredible foray into such deep truth that I was so hungry for. It fed my soul and it just kept me on this path of continuing to search and search. And it was mainly my foundational structure. I've looked at other things in the past, but this one has really, really captured and held my interest. And then it was uh, about um, a little... Well, it was 1992 when I first started making contact with the higher realms. And I became to understand that the period that we're in right now is part of the spiritual realms, uh, what you might call spiritual administration of, of life, to get our planet back on track. Because we have um, kind of deviated from the divine plan of evolution that happened on an event that happened here 250,000 years ago, which is related in the Arantia book. And when I started to read the stories about what happened here and to see the conditions in which we live on this world, I concluded that this had to be true because it made too much sense. So that was my initial foray, and it has kept me uh, on this path of not only trying to understand the nature of reality, but to help orient people and to get us out of this matrix we've been living in, of this reality that keeps us beholden to certain values that I do not feel, and many people are starting to recognize that there's that this is not the right way to live. So that's, um, that's kind of my beginning background. And uh, what I'm doing now is to prepare people for this higher reality that it's now coming into this planet where we are now remembering that we are members of a large cosmic family. We have universe brothers and sisters that want to help us reshape our, uh, our social cultures so that we're more reflective of uh, ways of love and peace and compassion where life is more fair and just for all, not just for a chosen few. Right. Donna, as you go down this path and as you realize that the Urantia book was really resonating with you, you know, I look at it like this. I mean, there's a lot of religions out there that I don't resonate with, but I've been able to find my own spirituality. Do you look at your own path as this is the, the garden that was grown for you to find so that way you felt you could fit in rather than trying to fit in to a a, a religious uh, round hole and you're just a, a, a square box? <laughs> oh, I was definitely a round hole in a square box. And, and for me, it wasn't about believing any particular set of dogma. It was more about centering my life on becoming a better person. And really, I think the, the big thing that changed me was when I read part four, the life and teachings of Jesus, 
that went into every year of his human life and why he was truly here that superseded the information that I had been indoctrinated in the Christian church, which was to develop myself so that my human potential could help me feel purposeful and like I had a meaning and value to my life. And in reading that, that was really the catalyst to move me out of organized religion into finding my own space of God within me that was my guiding force through the course of my life that led me in certain paths of exploration to understand a larger picture of reality. So that was a big help to me when I read that part in part four of the life and teachings of Jesus. All right. Do you consider yourself a religious person then? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I I feel like I'm very religious. I'm very spiritual. But I'd like to make the distinction here that my religion is very personal to me. I don't ascribe to any particular set organized or socialized religion. My religious belief is based on my faith in God as my mother and father, divine mother and father, who loves me and is helping me to become a better person. So I don't really ascribe to any set uh, principles or dogma. I go into my spirit and ask for what do I need to learn? What is truthful? Help me see the bigger picture of reality and kind of get it through my internal intuitive senses rather than going to uh, a minister or a church, you know, where I'm going to be, uh, taught what to believe instead of, you know, having my own inner spiritual development become the anchor and the foundation of my life. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when you look at, you know, in the next half hour, we're going to get into what the Urantia book is all about. But in learning about you and your own quest, where are you looking for all of this to go? What's the end goal here for you? Well, I have started a ministry, and it is called the Institute of Christ Consciousness, and the URL is simply Institute Christ Consciousness, because I feel very motivated to help other people develop their own spirituality, their own path to God, outside the confines of specific dogma and religious traditions. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with them because people are free to choose their own path. But I want to help people really activate their human potential. We have such incredible uh, skills and abilities hardwired into us by our creator, and that yet we have had a hard time tapping into our human creative and spiritual potential. And one of my goals now for the rest of my life is to help people outwork the trauma of living in this matrix soup that we've been living in, kind of unplug from this reality that tells us what to believe and what to think and help people start to come into their own powers of discernment and to help the human consciousness system unplug from um, what you might call uh, beliefs that hold them back from achieving their, their true potential. So I act as a healing facilitator to connect people back to their divine source 
clear out the interference that might be in their thoughts or their emotions or even in their ancestral memory so they can have a, a much clearer signal to their own indwelling spirit that loves them and wants to guide them along on their path to develop their themselves to be purposeful and have wonderful meaning and value in their own lives. Donna, with everything that goes on with a lot of different uh, religions out there, they are often very narrow-minded and very meek in, in what society has to offer everything today, you know, especially on a show like this where we talk a lot about UFOs, alien life, you know, uh, spiritual consciousness, near-death experiences, life after death and everything. Where do you stand on those topics? Well, the Urantia book did a lot to open my mind to a much broader picture of reality. And the thing that was so uh, exciting for me was to understand that, first of all, we are not the only planet in creation with intelligent life. There, there are trillions of worlds out there in the greater creative design that has intelligent life such as we, but there are also many, many different levels of personalities who are intelligent and want to collaborate in this big cosmic design that we are all a part of. Um, I also was very uh, happy to read in the Arantia book about what happens to us when we leave this planet, how we ascend through the bigger picture of reality uh, into this whole creative design where we are becoming uh, bigger individuals. We are becoming more productive. We are becoming more intelligent, more, more wise, more loving, more compassionate. And, and, and that really helped me understand that, you know, there's no such thing as really death. You know, you can live eternally. Um, and it also helped me understand more about the nature of that we have universe brothers and sisters who are on other planets. Um, so it was a very big eye-opener for me to understand a lot of those principles that are very uh, topical for right now and what we're going through. Because I believe the veil is thinning on this world to reconnect us to our larger cosmic family and to help us understand the nature of reality and how we progress as souls throughout the cosmos once we leave the physical body. So that life is a continuum. And we have a very, very um, wonderful uh, adventure uh, ahead of us to find out more about who we are and to learn more about the nature of reality. So all those things that we want to know about, you know, the, the nature of physics and science, and these are things that are all available to us uh, as we ascend throughout the cosmos. Where do you think the soul goes? Is it eternal? Is it is it here just to, you know, pick us up or pick life forms up uh, at different times? What's with the soul? It's a very complex thing to uh, speak about. But from what I have understood, that the soul is a part of us here and now. And it is a composition that we co-create with our creator source, that everything that we think and do and, and say 
that is rooted in love and divine values of truth, beauty, and goodness becomes a bigger part of our body. And then it's like, it's not a physical composition. It's a different substance, but it's a substance nonetheless. It's not visible with our physical eyes, but we can see it or sense it with our spiritual senses and that we just keep growing our souls. We grow our souls. And that soul is our vehicle that takes us on this journey throughout the various dimensional levels of the cosmos. Okay. Do you believe then in reincarnation? I have to say I am not sure. Because a lot of the beliefs that I've studied about reincarnation talk about coming back here and being on this karmic wheel. And I am not so sure if that is the way it really works. Because what they talk about in the Arantia papers is the long evolutionary careers we have and the areas in which we travel and the stages we go from to metamorphosize from a human being up to a, uh, a high frequency spiritual being. And so the purpose for reincarnation is to keep coming back here or maybe even other words to, worlds to learn lessons. So I'm not so sure about that particular definition of reincarnation. I do believe that this, that our souls, our human souls, can communicate with other souls and receive information. But does that mean that's reincarnation? I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure. But you are confident the soul keeps moving. Absolutely. I, I believe that the soul is designed for growth. And then when we as humans feel like we're stagnating and the soul can't grow, it leads us to a certain type of um, depression or anxiety because the soul is a part of our human nature, whether or not we recognize it as such. And that soul needs love and compassion and understanding in order to grow. And when we don't get that as humans, there's there's this kind of like a diminishment of our self-value and our self-worth, which I think is very antithetical to the growth of the soul. Hmm. Okay, so if if you believe the soul moves on, where does it go? Does it go to a heaven? Does it go to a place? Mandel Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram invites you to visit our new state-of-the-art dealership during the Black Friday sales event. From rugged trucks to daring SUVs, we have a tremendous inventory to choose from. To make room for new arrivals, we're offering exceptional discounts on all our current Chrysler Dodge Jeep and Ram models. We pride ourselves in our exquisite customer service. At Mandel Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram, you deal directly with a manager. No back and forth. Remember, there's a better way. The Mandel way. For more information, visit us in D'Iberville or online at MandelCDJR.com. Sunbelt Federal Credit Union presents a golden holiday opportunity. Start with a $500 certificate of deposit, then choose from 10 months at 5.40% annual percentage yield or 18 months at 5.60% APY. So why not take them up on this golden holiday opportunity at Sunbelt Federal Credit Union? Stop by any Sunbelt branch office or visit sunbeltfcu.org. Secure your future with smart savings. Sunbelt Federal Credit Union, federally insured by NCUA. Place up there where it's, they're, they're all being stored. Is it a party town, much like Las Vegas? Where, where are we going here? <laughs> we are going all through the cosmos. 
there are many, many worlds that are designed to train us for our long evolutionary adventure. If you think about the term of eternal life, what does that mean? How do we live eternally? What do we do eternally? And they do talk about this in the Arantia book that we go through a very long period of soul training where we go to many worlds and visit them and just amass tremendous amounts of information while at the same time we are being um, lovers and servers for our brothers and sisters. We are helping them. So it's almost like we are teachers and learners at the same time. Our souls are growing and we learn new concepts, but then we also go back and teach people who are kind of coming, personalities who are coming uh, up behind us. So we keep this continuum of growth moving. It's a very vast picture that they paint in the Arantia book about the human ascension career. And then one day after we have amassed all this training, there are actual universes being created out in the nether regions of space that one day we, with all of our training, will actually be able to have our own universe and act as the creator gods and goddesses of those, um, of those universes. There are other career paths open to us that they talk a little bit about in the Arantia book, but it's so vast that they couldn't get everything, all that information in there. But we have a mighty, mighty adventure awaiting for us once we leave this planet, and it's very exciting and uh, I'm very energized by that 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 perspective and that notion. Does our soul continue to know who we are? Yes, yes, we retain our identity. We always retain our identity. Now we may not remember everything about our human life. For example, you know what we had for breakfast yesterday. We're, that that's not going to be part of our memory circuit. But our moral decisions the way we've treated one another. These are the things that we remember and are a part of our soul. But our identity, you will be Scott, I will be Donna, but we will have so much more bandwidth, if you will, in our minds and in our souls that we will be uh, like, you know, upgraded humans, but we, we won't be in a human body. We won't have the same composition of our physical makeup we will have a different type of a body and that body will continue to metamorphosize until we are more virtual donna d'angelo is our guest tonight on spaced out radio told you i'd get her name right that's the way i work that's the way i work we're gonna find out what the urantia book is all about when we return for the second half hour spaced out radio right after this D'Angelo flows off the tongue nicely. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> that was a quick half hour. I told you it'd be quick. It was. It's very quick. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When I get start talking about this stuff, I can go on forever. So mm-hmm. <laughs> I hear you. Good. I hear yeah. you. Yeah. I've already started to collect questions for hour two. So. Oh, so that's when we'll do the Q&A in hour two? Yes, so that's when we shall do it. Okay. Yeah, I I would like to, the the book is divided into four parts. So if I could give like a little bit of an overview of what part, what each part 
uh, speaks about, I think that might be helpful for your audience because it covers so much territory that it can get really kind of like, oh, I <laughs> can't absorb it all. But if I break it down into parts, it might be a little bit easier for mm-hmm. people to understand. Sure. Which one do you want to talk about? The women who love Jesus? Or uh, well, that's later. That, that's 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 more about my personal ministry. So um, maybe you can segue into some of the work that I'm doing after I talk about sure. the four parts of the book. Sure. Yeah. I, I already mentioned part four, the life and teachings of Jesus, which is a wonderful account of his life that far encompasses anything that the Bible has to say about his life. It's just we can do that. Uh, Change me forever we, <laughs> reading that story. We can do that. Great. Great. Oh, yeah. And I think I'm okay for, I don't need to use the, the bathroom just yet. So I think All I right. can hold another another half hour. Yes, we're good. We're good. So about how many more minutes? About two? Uh, we've got about uh, three and a half. Three minutes. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. So how did you get into all this? What uh, was your story, your uh, intro? Uh, my intro happened December 13th, 2011 at 7.45 p.m. when I saw the angel of death in my mother's eyes. <gasps> oh, wow. That's pretty heavy. Yeah. Wow. Is that when she actually passed then, right at that no. moment? No, my mother passed uh, um, five months ago, four months ago. Wow. Yeah. The angel of death, uh, after I saw saw him in her eyes, I wasn't supposed to see him. <coughs> and... Um, and uh, two hours later, I, uh, not knowing anything about spirituality or anything, I channeled him. And he told me how to keep my mom alive. And I kept her, uh, and I got another, what, 2011 to 2023, 12 years out of her? Wow. 11 and a half years. What Plus. a gift of grace that was. Oh, yeah. Wow. Oh, my goodness. I've never heard anything like that before. Oh, yeah. So you, she was very ill, and you were able to give her the means, you know, help her get better. Yeah, is that which, what happened? Yeah, he yeah, just wow. told us how to how to keep her uh, better, and it wow. it wasn't any medication; it was love. Yes, um, wow. Did she know that you had had that experience? I told her. You did tell her. I told her. I did not. Yeah. T- I it took me like six, eight months to tell my dad. How did he take it? How did he accept it? Um, I, I didn't know how he was going to take it. Uh, but he ended up taking it well. Wow. Mm-hmm. Well, especially if it was a few months later that he could see that your mom was getting better. I hope that they gave him a little bit more confidence that you were, yeah, you know, had a legitimate yeah. thing to tell him. Yeah. She had a lot of pain. Okay. Um, she was a two-time breast cancer survivor, um, colon cancer survivor. I mean, she she was a fighter. And, uh, you know, I remember sitting with her 
Um, probably the day before she passed, it was just me and her in her room uh, at the hospice. And I just said, you know, Mom, it, it's time for you to go home. And I said, it's okay. I said, I got dad. I said, you don't need to worry about anything else. I got dad and uh, I'll make sure he's okay. And, uh, that was awesome. It was awesome. So I I have zero regrets and, uh, uh, it's, you know, it's pretty cool. We got 10 seconds to go. Uh, Thomas Fessler, thank you for the wonderful super chat tonight, kicking it off for tonight and the week. And here we go with the second half hour. Second half hour of Spaced Out Radio is now underway. Thank you for joining us. My name is Dave Scott. We very much appreciate earning your listening ears wherever you are on this beautiful planet we call Earth. want to remind you that if you've missed portions of this show or others, check out our free archives by going to youtube.com forward slash Spaced Out Radio. Do me the favor, hit that subscribe button. Our website, spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the Newswire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and you can join us on Patreon in the SOR Space Travelers Club. Donna D'Angelo is here tonight on the show talking about this this book. You may not have heard about it. It's called the Urantia Book. It's philosophical. It's spiritual. It's a little bit religious. Some people may say controversial. It was written in 1955, or published back then. And Donna, thank you so much for being here. But what is it about this book that makes it all the things I describe? It's it's massive, comprehensive uh, perspective on the nature of reality that encompasses science, philosophy, and religion, and brings it together in this very beautiful presentation of the nature of reality, the nature of God and who we are in that big cosmic design of, of all life. So it's very, very, um, I, I call it like a, a super guide to life, if you will. Hmm. Okay. So who wrote it? What, where did it come from? Well, I have to back up a little bit before I talk about who wrote it, because this world is a part of a very vast cosmic um, creation. And there are spiritual administration uh, overseeing each inhabited planet, such as ours. And the name Urantia is actually the name of our planet in the cosmic registries. The book started to be formed in the early part of the 20th century, because our spiritual administrators were seeing that we were advancing materially and technologically, but we were lagging behind in our spirituality and our moral development. And so over a period of a number of years, I would say um, for about maybe 30 years or so, 
<clears throat> there were a group of people in Chicago who were beginning to get information. Uh, there was a gentleman who was actually starting to speak certain strange concepts in his sleep at night. And um, I don't know who this person is. His name has always been kept secret. <clears throat> but he was brought to a gentleman by the name of Dr. William Sadler, who was considered the father, <clears throat> excuse me, of, um, oh gosh, I'm losing my voice, <clears throat> American psychiatry. And Dr. Sadler started to examine him and listen to what was being said. And there was a lot of information coming through about the nature of reality, cosmic information that was very unusual to hear. And so over the course of a number of years, Dr. Sadler was um, a master group of people uh, in Chicago, especially, you know, people from the University of Chicago. Uh, there was information coming through this gentleman. He's known as the um, sleeping no, I'm sorry, I'm going to take that back, <clears throat> sleeping subject, that <clears throat> he was detached from the information that he was channeling, if, if, you, if I can use that word. But it was very unusual information. So Dr. Sadler amassed a group of people at his residence in Chicago, and they started to uh, explore the information that was coming through and there would be questions would be asked of the people who would be attending. And then the information would show up like a paper would materialize information would just kind of, they would refine the information and come back. And I think over time, and I don't have all of the facts about the early stages of the book, but the information was compiled over a number of years based on the questions that were being asked of the group that Dr. Sadler was presenting or had, had, had informed them that this was this, this group. I'm sorry, I'm getting a little bit <laughs> muddled here in my explanation. But eventually, the papers were assembled around the early part of the 1930s. And then part four, which was the life and teachings of Jesus, basically just was put into word form. It materialized by some spiritual beings who could do that, who can manipulate the energies, and they put together this beautiful story of the life and teachings that was a composition, what you might call from the Akashic records of, of, Jesus, of Jesus' human life. The book was finally published in 1955 by the Urantia Foundation in Chicago. And at that time, there were a number of people who were learning about this information. And then there were study groups that were formed to study the, the information and to, um, you know, learn about these very large cosmic concepts that, was, that were being presented. Mm. So... Many people, uh, not to uh, you know, kind of throw dust in the wind here, but many people online have looked at this as almost being cult-like. Would you agree with that, or would you say that uh, that's a misinterpretation? It is a misinterpretation. It, it depends on how you you look at what a cult is. I mean, there there's no guru, there's no leader telling you what to believe. It is a information um, network of people who who study the concepts, um, who like to talk about them and share ideas. 
I, I think the the main thing about this book is that it gives people an opportunity to make up their own minds. And sometimes when people are in cults, they're so indoctrinated by what the the, the guru or the, the leader says that they don't have any ability to think freely for themselves. And this book does not have anything like that. And it, it does encourage people to develop their own inner relationship with our creator, with divine source, however you want to call that, and to um, develop yourself as the best version of yourself as you can. So I don't think it's cult-like at all. And in and, and all of the organizations that have come at been kind of like offshoots of that. I have never found that cult like um, mentality in that at all. Hmm. Okay. Why do you think that would, there would be people out there to get that kind of reputation? Do you think it's just because of, of the idea that anything new is automatically thought of that way? Possibly. Uh, I'm not sure. Um, I also feel like that this book, because of its very vast amount of information about the nature of reality and who we are, strikes at a certain type of mentality that pushes people's buttons because it's going to stretch your mind. And if people have certain pre-existing beliefs and the information in this book starts to press on that, it may form some people, it may, it may fill, fill, fill people with feelings of fear or anxiety because it's new and they're not familiar with it. So it's a book that you have to read with an open mind and an open heart and be willing to ask your own truth censor, is this real? You know, this is a book to read with the, with the eye and the spirit of discernment. Hmm. And what is that discernment? What is it meant for? It is meant to help us come into a deeper awareness that we are children of a loving creator, that we have souls, that we have a spirit that is trying to help us access the divine in us so that we can grow into who we really are meant to be and to share, to help us understand our place in the whole big design of life and what our purpose is. And, and so it is a very uh, comprehensive overview of some of those very important questions that every human asks, who am I? Why am I here? What is the nature of reality? And this really answers those very, very poignant personal questions. And I think it's very important for people to have an ability to discern because we have been living on a world where we have so many divergent opinions and belief systems that it's very hard for people to really sort through what is truthful and what is error. And for me, this book helped me to make that discernment in a, in a much easier manner because it really rang my internal truth bells intuitively, I felt this was right and correct. But everyone has to make that decision. Okay, so the idea that 
that everybody has their own decision to make. Does this mean that there is a different God out there, a new God? Are we preaching to the same old God that everybody else knows? Is it Santa Claus? You know, because I am a believer in Santa Claus, even though I'm 50. You know, I, I still believe. So, I mean, where where is this all going? The nature of our creator is not changeable. Our creator is loving, kind, compassionate. But we have been living on a world, and it is explained in the Arantia book, of why this world is the way it is and why we have so many different concepts of God. And the beauty of reading, especially in part four, it speaks very, very clearly about the nature of God, who and what God is, and why it is important for us to develop that relationship with our creator, because we have an actual fragment of divinity living in us so that God can experience human life in and with and through us and achieve the objectives that have been given to us for our souls to develop. And so the path to our creator is unique to each individual, but at the core of reality where our creator exists is changeless perfection, never changing, always perfect, and such a loving companion to us that when we open our hearts and our souls to our creator, our lives will change for the better because now we have access directly to truth. And I feel, and from my own experience, that when I was being brought up in the Christian... Mandel Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram invites you to visit our new state-of-the-art dealership during the Black Friday sales event. From rugged trucks to daring SUVs, we have a tremendous inventory to choose from. To make room for new arrivals, we're offering exceptional discounts on all our current Chrysler Dodge Jeep and Ram models. We pride ourselves in our exquisite customer service. At Mandel Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram, you deal directly with a manager. No back and forth. Remember, there's a better way. The Mandel way. For more information, visit us in D'Iberville or online at MandelCDJR.com. Attention shoppers, BlendJet's Black Friday sale is on, and it's our biggest sale ever. Stock up for the holidays, because the more BlendJets you buy, the more you save. With over 50 colors and patterns to choose from, there's a BlendJet that's perfect for everyone on your list. Skip the mall madness. We've got you covered with fast, free shipping. What are you waiting for? Go to BlendJet.com and take advantage of our epic Black Friday sale. That's BlendJet.com. In religion, I was told what to believe about God, that when I started to read the Arantia book was completely antithetical to the loving nature of reality and who our creator is. Very cool. Very cool. All right. As we move forward and look into this, you know, the divine creator is... You know, is it the be all and end all? There are many people who believe God's a creator. There are many people who believe uh, in the Darwin theory. There are many people who believe that life was put here by aliens. Where do you think? Where do you stand on that? <laughs> See, that's all explained. It's it's all explained. So let me go into a little bit about the different parts because each part has a specific objectives to teach us. So part one is called the central and super universe, and it goes into the physical composition of the 
the the place where God exists. God exists as a Trinity being. You might call it God, the parent of all, God, the mother and child aspect of deity, and God, the action. And everything exists at that place. This is where divine patterns are created. And then there is another level of reality where you might consider that to be time-space reality where we evolving. So the central and the super universe talks about how the central universe is a place where perfection exists. Everything is static. Nothing changes because it's perfect. And there is a universe called Havona, and we it's kind of like where we've taken the word heaven from. It's a perfect universe that is comprised of a billion worlds that are perfect, and they are the pattern planets for our evolutionary worlds that exist in another dimensional reality. So at the central universe, the Urantia book authors go into the myriads, numbers of divine and other spiritual celestial personalities who are created, who administer this large agglomeration of space, which is called the super universes. And the super universes are divided into subsectors. And the, the first part of the Urantia book goes into not only the physical composition, but also the myriads of personalities that inhabit these, these high, high uh, spiritual levels of reality. But they are also physical planets, too. But they do not necessarily have the same level of human life as we have. Part two goes into the local universe. So we're subdividing the super universes into smaller local divisions. And there are two beings who come from the paradise level. They come from the paradise creator deities. There's a masculine and a feminine component of God. They act as our divine mother and they actually leave their paradise home of perfection and come into an area of unpervaded space and stake out what you might call a claim where they're setting up their boundaries to create their own family of very uh, diverse spiritual and even human-like beings to evolve to a higher level of reality, to replicate and reflect one day the divine perfect levels of reality. So you might consider that to be where the evolution comes from. So when people talk about it's creation, no, it's evolution. I say it's both. It's both. That we are here to evolve, but we are created as beings. And then also in part uh, two of the Arantia book, they talk about how human life is created and implanted into a planet. So that our DNA is actually created in what they call the life laboratories at a certain planet, higher planetary level. It is not a planet that evolves. It is a planet that's what they call architectural worlds. They are actually built by spiritual beings and other personalities who create the uh, composition of the planet so that it fulfills a specific function. And there is a planet or a world where there is a 
personality order called Life Carriers, who actually put together the biochemical, electrobiochemical molecules in DNA for our human evolution. And it is implanted into a planet and the divine spark is enlivened us. And that divine spark comes from our mother God, who is the life force. And she is the personality with the divine father. She lays her circuits of consciousness out and we live in her womb of consciousness. And she gives us the ability to think, feel and act through the seven circuits, she hardwires into us through the chakra system. So when people ask, is it evolution or creation? I say it's both. But it's very important to look at the uh, concepts that they're putting forth in parts one in parts two, because they lay the foundation for part three, which is called the history of Urantia. And it goes into a lot of our ancient history, but not all. There are certain things that they were not allowed, the spiritual authors of the Arantia book were not given permission to reveal to us because when it came through the early part of the 20th century, we were not ready conceptually to understand these things. But this is a different time now. And so we have the right to know who we are, what our origins were, what our history is, and where we're going. And this is very well laid out in, in part three. Understandable. Understandable. Does it also come with, you know, psychic intuitive powers, powers that we have built into us, but seem to have forgotten through society? That's a really good question. And I would say it doesn't really go into a lot of that right now uh, at this time, because when the book was coming through back in the early part of the 20th century, there was a lot of what you might call disinformation about spiritualism uh, going back into the 19th century. And so they didn't really want to talk about that too much. But from my own experience, I know that my intuitive abilities, my psychic abilities have been enhanced. I've had enhanced hearing so I can receive messages from higher personalities. I've had enhanced vision so I can see more ranges of, um, I don't even know how to call it, you know, just I have more more visual range in, in, in through my intuitive abilities. So yes, we have the ability to grow our extrasensory perception. It is not something that we're taught to do because a lot of this has been ridiculed uh, and and it, it really is an important thing to understand that we have been, as a planet, participating in a deviant way of evolution that the authors of the Arantia book go into of why this, this planet is the way it is. There was an ancient event that happened here 250,000 years ago that took us off the divine plan of evolution. The Arantia book goes into great detail about how a world, an evolutionary world like ours, populated with indigenous humans like we, how we evolved from primitive, primitive species like, you know, a one-celled amoeba up to a being that's Jesus-like, you know, and that is the type of personality that we are being developed so that we are uh, aware of our divine origins and are aware of our purpose 
And that was the beauty that uh, was so compelling for me to read in part four about the life and teachings of Jesus, how he perfected his human nature. And this is something that we really don't understand very well yet on our planet, that we can actually perfect our human nature and become Christ-like beings. And that was why I called my my um, my website the Institute of Christ Consciousness to help people actually grow in that Christed sense of who they are, where they're tremendously loving beings, self-actualized, and have you know tremendous gifts uh, to share with the world uh, to make this world a better place. Ninety seconds to go before we have to go to break. At the top of the hour, Donna D'Angelo is our guest tonight on Spaced Out Radio, talking about the Urantia books, the spiritual side of everything, okay, which a lot of people today may equate to the paranormal. You know, does it does it talk about the the spiritual side of, of life after death, where we could go, and, you know, it ties into hauntings or, or anything like that? It doesn't tie into hauntings. It, 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 well, this is where I really have to kind of go back into the, the event that happened here many thousands of years ago where we got off course. Wow. It, it's, there's a lot of material to talk about, but the nature of our spiritual growth, they do talk about that because there's something that they really want to flesh out for us. And it's called the thought adjuster or that divinity spark that lives within our higher consciousness that's trying to tweak human thought and feeling to the way our creator thinks, which is love and compassion and kindness and equality for all, where everyone is equal in the eyes of our creator. No one has favored status. Everyone is treated the same. And so that spiritual principle is very well flushed out. But there are some very strange anomalies, things that have happened on this world that are unique, uh, that is part of the phenomenon. Donna, hold on right there. We're done hour number one on Spaced Out Radio with Donna Delingiello. We'll be right back. More Urantria and your questions on Spaced Out Radio. We will return right after this. There we go, Donna. We are clear. Okay. We got about okay. six minutes, okay? We got about six yeah, minutes. I'm I'll just, be right back. I'm just going to put you in the green room, and I'll be right back as well. <clears throat> Good show so far. I like it.
All right. I am back. Cinnamon Toast Crunch is a great cereal. <coughs> Very much is. Chat room, if you have questions for Donna, time to put them in. Hello, Aussie Ange. Mark Sanchez in your collection of Hawaiian shirts. How you doing? Warded Dragon. Al Gray over on Twitch. How you doing? And who else is here? All right. Reminder to all of you, put your questions in capital letters. That would be wonderful. And uh, thank you to Thomas Fessler for the one super chat we have tonight. Very much appreciate the love and support, Thomas. Thank you very much. Don't forget, you can join the Space Travelers Club for as low as five bucks a month on Patreon. The link is in the description below on YouTube as well. You can shop at our store on spacedoutradio.com. We do not have ugly swag, people. No ugly swag whatsoever. Pay Parker, how are you? Or Pays Parker. Pays. Data, nice to see you. We got 15 seconds. You're listening to Spaced Out Radio with Dave Scott. Follow Dave on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio and on Facebook, Spaced Out Radio Show. Here we go with our number two of Spaced Out Radio tonight. Thank you for joining us. My name is Dave Scott. Very much appreciate earning your listening ears wherever you are on this beautiful planet we call Earth. Hello to everyone listening in on our terrestrial affiliates around North America, digitally on Odyssey Radio, TalkStream Live, and KPNL. All of our archives are free. You can join us at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do old Davey the favor, hit that subscribe button. The Desert Clam has set the password for tonight in the SOR Space Travelers Club. What do you got for us there, Clam? Wage. Wage is your password. Use it wisely, Space Travelers, as the Clam sets the password each and every night right here on Spaced Out Radio. Our website, spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the newswire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and you can join us on Patreon in the SOR Space Travelers Club. Donna D'Angelo is our guest tonight on Spaced Out Radio. We are talking about some really cool stuff here. Very cool stuff. Urantia. I'm probably Urantia. There we go. I'm just having troubles pronouncing everything tonight. My goodness. But nonetheless, Donna, thank you so much for joining us. We very much appreciate it. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Right on. We're glad you're here, too. And, you know, right before the break, we were kind of getting into the paranormal side of everything. Because if I look at the Holy Bible, okay, a book that I like, I've read it. There's a lot of paranormal stuff in there. You know, to me, it's the greatest ghost book ever written. You know, and and the fact that many religions actually refuse to even acknowledge that as the greatest paranormal book ever, I find that kind of odd. 
It kind of makes me scratch my head at times. When you look at all the paranormal stuff that happens within the Bible and within Urantia, I mean, where do you define this? What do you define as paranormal? Well, this is a, a really loaded question. Uh, <laughs> I, I think people put things in a paranormal category of things they don't understand and they don't have a context for it. And this is one of the things that was so striking for me because I was interested in uh, ESP uh, and things like that. And, and, and I didn't get any type of understanding from the Christian religion that I was brought up in. So when I started to read the Arantia book and they go into, um, well, I guess my picture lost, uh, they go into a little bit more of what happened here. And this is what I'd, I'd like to just, discuss a little bit briefly here because we have been shielded from being a member of our universe family where we would have access to so much more information which would help us make sense of who our universe brothers and sisters are the planets from which they come. Mandel Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram invites you to visit our new state-of-the-art dealership during the Black Friday sales event. From rugged trucks to daring SUVs, we have a tremendous inventory to choose from. To make room for new arrivals, we're offering exceptional discounts on all our current Chrysler Dodge Jeep and Ram models. We pride ourselves in our exquisite customer service. At Mandel Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram, you deal directly with a manager. No back and forth. Remember, there's a better way. The Mandel way. For more information, visit us in D'Iberville or online at Mandel cdjr.com Walter Brown here. You can feel the excitement. Everybody is talking about Saturday night. Yep, Saturday night, the first home game of the season for your Mississippi Seawolves, and you need to show up for Red Out the Den. You can get your single game tickets now to Mississippi Seawolves games at the Coliseum box office or online at Ticketmaster.com. You gotta come out Saturday night, the very first home game for the Mississippi Seawolves. Don't miss out on your chance to be part of the excitement. The Sea Wolves at the Coliseum. Um, what are what are these things that we call ghosts or specters? Uh, we have a right to know this information. We have a very checkered past as a planet. There was an event on this world two hundred and fifty thousand years ago, where our spiritual administrator, or um, the term they use in the Arantia book, is the planetary prince who is an unseen spiritual being who acts as the God, if you will, a lower God, but still a spiritual being who is charged with shepherding this particular world from its indigenous um, inception, you know, where indigenous life begins to evolve up into a culture where there is no war, there, you know, peace is the operating principle, love is dominant, and we have a, a social culture that is highly, highly evolved. This personality took our planet off the divine plan of evolution. And the divine plan of evolution is very well defined in the Urantia book. It is a beautiful account of the long evolutionary trajectory to take a world like ours from a very raw primitive state up to a place where it would be considered heaven on earth. He did this in conjunction 
because with his spiritual administrator, who is one level up from him, so we are living on an inhabited world. The next administrative level they talk about in the Arantia book is the system. And that system sovereign is charged with shepherding 1,000 inhabited worlds to a higher planetary destiny. The name of that spiritual personality at the system level was Lucifer. He got it into his own head that he did not like the divine plan of evolution that our universe mother and father put in place for their creation to evolve to become a bigger heavenly reflection of the paradise level. He and his assistant, Satan, came to this world to co-opt this planetary uh, supervisor to follow their plans of deviant evolution. And what they said was, we can do whatever we want. There is no higher level creator, and we do not have to follow your the divine mother and father's plans of evolution, and we're going to do whatever we want in our domain of, of space and do whatever we want to shepherd these people into higher beings. What they essentially negated in us was our right to have our connection to our creator source through the indwelling spirit. They negated that. They did some messy, messy things to come into our system of consciousness and put all kinds of monkey wrenches and traps to keep us in a low state of vibrational understanding of our nature of reality. This is a very complex thing that I'm talking to you about that would require a lot more detail and explanation. But it is something that I've done a deep dive into and seeing what they did to pervert our human consciousness to keep us from ascending to higher levels. They were able to convince a number of spiritual personalities to side with them. And there was a group of, of spiritual or what you might call beings on the planet who were halfway between human and angels that kind of exist in a different strata. And they created a lot of mischief on the planet. They were able to infiltrate human mind and possess them. But when Jesus came to this world, and Jesus is actually our divine father who chose this world to incarnate as a human being to show the nature, the loving nature of reality and uh, of God, and to show to our creator how humans can evolve to a higher level. So he got rid of all those nefarious uh, uh, spirits that they could not have the power to infect human consciousness unless a human wills them in. And there are a lot of negative entities and thought forms that are on the planet that are a residual mindset of this rebellion culture was all about separation and self-centeredness. And their doctrine was, you can do whatever you want to do and there are no repercussions, and there are no, um, yeah, you can do whatever you want without any repercussions, and there will be no, uh, like, judgment against you. That is, the, that is the complete opposite of the nature of God, where you, the, the love of our creator is restraining, and we have been given the gift 
of pain to help us understand when we are out of alignment with the higher laws and, and principles of life. Pain is actually our friend, but because we have been living on a world where we're so far away from our divine inheritance, that pain has created so much suffering in us. And we are now in a phase to correct all that, to get rid of this Luciferian mindset, which is now in full swing. We are seeing this play out right here in front of our faces. We are in theater right now of watching this play out. And there are many people who are questioning this matrix that we're living in that was spawned 250,000 years ago. So we have this virus in our DNA. I've done a deep dive into looking at what this rebellion mindset actually did into our minds and bodies. And there are a lot of people now acting as healers to re to correct that with higher spiritual help so we get back on track of who we are as sons and daughters of God and can create a higher planetary culture where life is fair and just and there's abundance for all and we're all sharing in the bounties of life. We are on that trajectory now, but we're in an intense crucible of separating ourselves from this very insidious virus of selfishness and self-centeredness. It's essentially the glorification of the ego instead of the glorification of, of who we are as sons and daughters of God, where we all get to share in the, in the beauty and the bounties of life. Okay. I want to ask you in, in regards to, you know, I, I look at biblically speaking, I mean, the, the Bible talks a lot about prophets. It talks about, mm -hmm. but it also talks about false prophets and, mm -hmm. and those who can, you know, read minds and all sorts of stuff. And the way I look at it is, you know, psychic people tend to take a lot of heat from religious people because of being a false prophet, so to speak, people who, who can see things and seers and everything. Where does Urantia stand on that? Because, you know, in the end, I have it's one of my favorite arguments with people who are deeply religious is when you get into uh, psychic-type intuition, you know, or even clairvoyancy or something along those lines because it's a gift from God, and yet many do not appreciate the gift and immediately turn it into something evil and blasphemous. Mm -hmm. That's true. And I can't really say that the Arantia speaks specifically to that. That's, again, a, a place where another person would have to make his and her own discernment. I can only speak from my own experience and, and that I look at some of the literal interpretations of the Bible as being part of the, people may not like this term, but I'm going to use it anyway, <clears throat> spiritual laziness uh, of humanity to keep us stuck into certain very rigid mindsets so that we do not feel safe to step out of the boundaries of that and look at new ideas and let our own internal spirit of truth or truth sensor tell us what to what, what what is true. There are many people who are conditioned to believe what they have been told and stay in that little box. I'm not one of those people. 
And that box is starting to, the boundaries of that box are starting to dissolve. And so what it's doing for a lot of people who have this kind of fundamentalist type thinking, it's making them scared because now they don't have that same uh, uh, foundation on which to stand. And so they get very fear-based because of it. And I think that's a very conditioned repercussion of the rebellion mindset to keep us in fear so that we won't go into these higher dimensions and, and look at the nature of reality from a higher perspective. Hmm. So do you believe then that psychic people or psychic intuitives do have evil practice inside of them? They can. Not everybody is motivated to do good. But it's again, it, it's it, it's a very complex issue, and I, I can't just give you one straight answer. It has to go with what is the motivation in your heart? Are you serving yourself and your ego, or are you serving humanity and a greater good? That is the question that people have to ask. And a lot of people get caught up and they think they're doing the right thing, but they're really serving themselves. And so it's really very important to be very discerning about what your motivations and your purposes are. And so that's where I tell people to look. An opioid overdose can kill, but naloxone can reverse an overdose and save a life. Naloxone is easily accessible, and you don't need to visit a clinic to get it. Just ask a pharmacist for a prescription or get a naloxone kit from the Mississippi State Department of Health at no cost. If you or someone you know is at risk, carry naloxone with you and keep it at home. Parents of teenagers who may be using opioids, you are encouraged to receive a kit. Get life-saving naloxone at msdh.ms.gov slash naloxone. As a nurse, you're constantly in motion helping others. Isn't it time to take some steps forward to help yourself? Go from RN to BSN in as few as 12 months at Post University. Flexible online classes start soon. Apply now at post.edu. Post makes it personal. Look into your heart. You know, if you're trying to do something that's going to make people in your life a better place in which to live, then I would say that you're tending more toward the good. But if you're doing things on for your own benefit and you don't care if you screw anybody over, then, yeah, to me, that's evil. And uh, and you can use your psychic powers for, for ill as well. That's also called humanity. True. 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 Let's get to some audience questions here because – uh, we have a few of them as we speak. Let's start off with Scanman, who is asking, please describe how the Urantia book was written and discovered. Who wrote this book? It was written by spiritual personalities, a wide variety of spiritual beings. Some were divine. And they amassed these papers so that they would be compiled into English. Uh, and it was a period of several years while this information was being uh, given to this group of people in Chicago. It was called the Forum. And there was a series, uh, the papers would be presented and people could ask questions. And over time, they were refined. But it was not written by humans, although the spiritual authors did cull the highest levels of human thought that were available on the planet at that time to put into these concepts that, that form the, the major part of the book. Oh, okay. All right, let's uh, let's continue on here with another question from Scanman, who is asking: Is it true that one man transcribed this book while in a series of trances? He did not transcribe. 
from my understanding, he was in a sleep state and his mind was being used by higher spiritual personalities to transmit this information through him while he was not aware that this was happening. Now, how much information came through about this? I am not sure myself. And I don't know if there are people who are still alive that have recollection of this. There is still a lot of mystery around how the book came into being. And there's a purpose for that so that people would not evaluate the book on its origins, but evaluate it on its content. And that's a really big, important distinction to make because this is, this is a very unusual book. It's not designed for just one generation. It is kind of like a manual to help us get back on track uh, of, of our true purpose as a planet. So there's a lot of um, mystery around it so that people wouldn't focus on the book's origins and authors, but really focus on the content and use your own truth censored to discern if this is resonating for you. How often do you pray? Every day. Oh, every day. Every day. And, and what is I pray, I pray at, at different times of the day. I think of people that I'm, I'm, I'm sending love to. So it's not like I have to sit down and, you know, I'm, I'm, in, I'm always in a constant state of, of praying and asking for guidance and, and just communicating. It's just comes, it has just become so second nature to me now. Okay. What do you pray for? And what is, and what do you hope to get out of it? I hope to help people open up to their spiritual potential. I pray for the divine will to be done for their lives and in their lives for people to open up to their own spiritual potential and their God power. Uh, I pray for peace, but I don't just pray. I'm actually working in the circuits of consciousness to ask for more truth light to shine into the areas where there is error and evil so that the truth light can dispel those false forms and help people unplug from the reality that we've been living in that keeps them in fear. That's one of the things I do. I focus in the collective mind and I ask for truth light and spiritual personalities to come in and help us clean up the mess we've made of this planet. That's a positive way of thinking that that is for sure. All right, let's move on here. Let's go to uh, Derek. If we have multiple lives, why would we retain the same identity? If we are who we are, can we really change that much? A Taurus is a Taurus, a Scorpio is a Scorpio. There is a concept in the Urantia book that talks about something that I've never seen before in any other religious text. It's called the concept of personality. And by that, I do not mean the sum total of a person's characteristics. Personality, as defined in the Urantia book, is different. It's a very broad topic, and the authors really don't give us a very concrete definition of it. 
But in my own understanding and in the work that I've done in helping people heal from the past trauma, I've come to understand that personality is a, a gift from our creator that makes us unique. There is no other personality like you, Dave, or like me, Donna, or the gentleman who is asking the question. It is a unique individuation of a concept of our creator that is projected onto, excuse me, our physical DNA and gives us the ability to grow, to think, to feel, and to respond to the spiritual energies that are within us. Our personalities do not change. Our identities are a part of that personality that we grow into coming, we come into a greater understanding of who we are and the abilities that God has given us to cultivate over the long course of our lives. The soul is that part of our existential personality that grows through our life experience so that we're kind of like, I look at it, you know, I'm a sower. So for example, if I have a pattern, that is a, that is a simple design, but what makes it unique is I can pick a different color. I can pick a fabric. I can fix, you know, I can tweak it in the way I want. It's still the personality, but now it's unique because I'm adding my own life experience to that. And that gives our creator a way to experience life in and through us. And so we do change in in terms of our experience and our uh, ability to understand the nature of reality. But our personality does not change. What we are doing is we are growing into our personality. We are growing our potential and expressing that in unique ways. This is a very complex concept to speak about. So I hope I, I address that to the uh, questioner's satisfaction. Um, but I would say that <clears throat> from a higher perspective, <clears throat> that we are designed to evolve in God consciousness and to act as a co-creator with God over the course of our lives so that we can manifest what has been seeded in us by our creator to produce that is going to be a part of the divine plan of all creation. On that note, Donna, I'm going to get you to hold on right there because we are going to go to break here at the bottom of the hour. We have another half an hour left with Donna D'Angelo And we are going to be talking with her more about the Urantia and spirituality, ghosts, everything in between. We'll take your questions as well if you're in one of our chat rooms or on Twitter. That's actually X at hashtag Spaced Out Radio. We continue with Spaced Out Radio right after this. Stay tuned. That was a good question there. Yeah. That was a big question. Yeah, that was good. That was good. All right. Hey, Super Duke. What's happening? So when we're done Mm -hmm. at at, at two, then you're going to go into another segment. So then I can exit this, correct? Okay. Okay. Yeah. That you can. We'll let you go. Yeah, I, I guess I'm going to go to Betty Bye then. <laughs> I don't blame you. 
I do not but blame I still you. have a lot of energy. I'm, I'm, I'm really uh, happy that this has just kind of been a very energizing type of uh, discussion that we've been having. Yeah. I told no, you. Definitely not boring. <laughs> I told you. I was ready for you. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. It's amazing how fast time goes when you're having this, you know, these, these chats. It just, whew, just speeds right by. It's really great. Yes, it's very cool. It's very cool. And we got good people in our chat room, too, who tune us on in. Excellent. One second. <coughs> Excuse me. Hmm. Well, I'm glad you're having a good time, and we appreciate you coming on with us tonight. Well, I'm glad you're interested in exploring this topic. I mean, one podcast on this topic is really not enough because it's so big. I mean, it is almost 2,100 pages of information. So it's very difficult to take these big concepts and kind of translate it into the area. An opioid overdose can kill, but naloxone can reverse an overdose and save a life. Naloxone is easily accessible and you don't need to visit a clinic to get it. Just ask a pharmacist for a prescription or get a naloxone kit from the Mississippi State Department of Health at no cost. If you or someone you know is at risk, carry naloxone with you and keep it at home. Parents of teenagers who may be using opioids, you are encouraged to receive a kit. Get life-saving naloxone at msdh.ms.gov slash naloxone. As a nurse, you're constantly in motion helping others. Isn't it time to take some steps forward to help yourself? Go from RN to BSN in as few as 12 months at Post University. Flexible online classes start soon. Apply now at post.edu. Post makes it personal. It is of people's interest, too, so... Uh, I hope I'm explaining it in a, a way that people can understand that's not too uh, <laughs> too challenging, too difficult. Because there are some very, very difficult parts to read in, in the book. They found, the thing I found when I first started reading it was that they have these big sentence structures. And at first, I'd have to read something over and over several times. And this little voice would say, don't worry if you don't understand it, just keep reading. And what I began to understand was with the big paragraph and sentence structure, they're actually trying to, to get us to expand our mental faculties. And right now we're living in a culture where people have these little tiny attention spans. Mm -hmm. And this book is there to expand that, you know, expand your attention span, expand your conceptual frame of uh, frame of, of reality. So it's quite, uh, it's, it's a quite a challenging read at times. That's oh. why it's so helpful when people uh, join study groups, because they can get a lot of uh, support from people who have, have had more experience with the concepts. Yeah, I can totally see that. Totally see that. All right. We got about two minutes to go here. Yeah. Yeah, it was very helpful for me when I started to uh, get involved with the study group because I was reading it on my own for several years and it was slow going at times. I was slinging through philosophical mud, but it eventually did come together when I read part four, The Life and Teachings of Jesus, which was such an easy read after some of the more difficult philosophical papers. And it was just so refreshing 
to read about his life that wasn't uh, related in, in the Bible. It, it really, it just touched my soul in so many ways that that's really what changed my life. Very nice. Very nice. We got uh, 90 seconds. Okay. I'm just going to check and see if there's any more questions. I'll mark that one down, Kurt. And I think that's about it. Clear that. And big thank you to Thomas tonight, our lone super chat that we have earned. Thank you, everyone, who has hit that subscribe button, rang that bell. And, of course, you can join the Space Travelers Club on Patreon. The link is in the description below on YouTube, so make sure you check that on out. And don't forget, you can shop at our Spaced Out Radio store. We do not have ugly swag, people. No ugly swag here. Nope. You can actually wear nice stuff. And put May 10th through 12th on your calendar. You can go book your hotel rooms now. They're they're on sale at the Silver Legacy Casino and Resort in Reno for the third annual SOR Fan Party, May 10th through 12th, 2024. We want to see you all there soon, so go book up now. Here we go with the next half hour. Okay. We pass the halfway point of Spaced Out Radio tonight. Thank you for joining us. My name is Dave Scott. Very much appreciate hurting your listening ears. Reminder to all of you that if you miss portions of this show or others, check out our free archives by going to youtube.com forward slash Spaced Out Radio. Do old Davey the favor, hit that subscribe button. Our website, spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the news wire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and you can join us on Patreon in the SOR Space Travelers Club. We continue on tonight for the final time. Donna D'Angelo is our guest here. We're talking about Uranthria and the subject of religion and everything that goes along with it. Oh, yes. Here we go. Donna, thank you for joining us. we got a bunch of questions from our audience for you here. We're going to start off with Darren on Spreaker Chat, and he is asking, uh, let's see here. He's got a number of questions. Uh, he's wondering if you read The Law of One material. I have not, but I am familiar with some of its concepts, <clears throat> and there are some similarities uh, in the Arantia book to what the law of one is. And I am familiar with David Wilcock and how he is a big um, proponent of that. Um, so I know a little bit about it. And I know uh, some of people in my um, <clears throat> in, who are involved with the Institute of Christ Consciousness who have read it too and have told me uh, some of the things that where it, it's similar and where it's a little bit different. All right, and second question from Darren over on Spreaker, who is asking, what is the importance of forgiveness? 
Oh, <laughs> paramount, paramount to our growth. Um, we know so little about the nature of reality presently. And, and to hold grudges against people uh, because of our lack of understanding about the nature of another person or their motivations really only hurts us. So if we really want to self-heal, forgiveness is such a wonderful act of uh, release of negative feelings, stress, and tension. And when we, when we truly forgive, it gives the indwelling spirit that is our guide and our companion through life a little bit of breathing room to convey a higher insight into the nature of why we may not have wanted to forgive. It expands our perspective, but there has to be a willingness on our part to let go of resentment, uh, anger, bitterness, because it is a cancer, uh, an emotional cancer, and it acts as that in our bodies. So the power of forgiveness is so fundamental to our well-being, our spiritual growth, and to developing healthy relationships with others. Love it. Love it. Okay, let's move on here. Let us go over to Paramarv. The Book of Urantia seems to fill the gaps in of Jesus's teens and 20s before starting his ministry. Any idea where that information comes from? As far as I know, in the beginning of part four, the authors tell us that this was called from some records of his life and some records from the apostle Andrew. So it is a little bit still of a mystery, but if you think about spiritual personalities who are observing us and recording our, our, our actions, our thoughts and our feelings, kind of like this big Akashic library, they can, the celestial personalities can call information from that and put it together in a larger picture. And so I believe that that is what they did. You know, there were observers watching Jesus' life and they were recording what he was doing. So they did put that in, in the, um, the first uh, in part four. They talk about his birth and infancy uh, all the way up to his resurrection. And then they do talk about the later evolution of Christianity. So as far as I, as, as I understand, they were culling from the cosmic records of his life to put that into um, this beautiful expanded account of who he is and his teachings. Okay. Continuing on here, let's go to Simon. What's the point of good and bad are equally loved? Thanks. Maybe I missed a few things. Well, that is a really good question. And no, you didn't miss anything. But what the point I'm trying to make is because we we have the gift of volition. We have the ability to make our choices. If God is a loving creator at the existential perfect level, gives us the opportunity to outwork everything that is antithetical to divine love, compassion, and peace. We get to work it out. But everyone is loved equally. But not everyone will have the same ascension path because we are the ones who get to choose whether or not we will accept the gift of eternal life. Accepting the gift of eternal life means that we need to 
follow and cooperate with the divine will of our creator and the, and the divine laws and ways of life. Now, if a person does not decide that they or he or she wants to do that, then they are given the choice where they can just be as if they would never were. It's like, you know, in that movie, uh, what's it? Um, it's a Wonderful Life, where George Bailey gets to see what life was like, would have been like if he had never been born. <clears throat> you become as if you never were. But if you have anything of a soul value, it kind of goes into a big cosmic oversoul. <clears throat> and that is that information is waiting to uh, be um, in, printed into another person, another soul for expression. But not everyone will ascend if they are not willing to cooperate with our uh, the loving nature of reality and our creator. So we get to outwork that out so that what the, the bad, if you will, <clears throat> does not keep ascending to higher levels of consciousness. It cannot because it is vibrationally dead or a low frequency. So we get to work that out here. And that is one of the purposes for the evolutionary world. We get to work out what is good and what is evil through our own discernment with the power of God, helping us understand what are the divine principles of life and where we deviate from them. So I hope that answers your question a bit. All right. Let's continue on here to to uh, see where we go. Let's go to Kurt. How many other religious texts have you read, like the Torah, the Quran, the Book of Mormon, the Book of Enoch, Timothy, the infancy of Buddha, Scripture, and Ramayana, etc.? I would have to say that I have not read any of them. I have read uh, the Bible, but I have not read any of, the, of these other books. Uh, I have to say that I'm a little bit more of a Urantia book purist. Uh, I am aware of some of these things. Uh, for example, the, the book of Enoch and some of its principles. But I would say that a lot of this information is coming from humans who have had a religious experience, and they are trying to explain that into a way that makes sense to people. The thing I liked about the Arantia book is that even though it, it is taking information from a broad spectrum of human uh, higher consciousness, it is not it is not coming from humans themselves and so i i felt that that was to me a higher way of understanding the nature of reality i've looked at a few things over the course of my life but i never really got into anything specific uh, so that's been my my main um text of enlightenment i would say but i get I like it a lot. All right, let's go over to Jules here. What is the structure within this movement? Just study groups or people shepherd roles? There are a number of study groups all over the world. The book has been translated into many different languages. Um, there is an organizational structure that uh, administers the publications of the book and to develop a social fraternity uh, within uh, the, the different study groups. And there's a, a larger aggregate of called societies where they're a little bit more formalized in study groups. And then there are conferences where people will meet and gather and talk about different topics in, in the Arantia book. Uh, but it's a very loose structure. 
Um, in the study groups, uh, you know, people are welcome to attend and share their ideas as people read. There's a lot of different formats for study groups, but that has been, uh, I would say, the main means that people find the book is by coming into study groups and studying with groups of uh, people who have had more experience in working with the concepts over the course of their lives. All right, let's go back to Darren here. And let's uh, ask, what is the, in your opinion, what is self-actualization? And are we all one in reality? That's kind of a hard answer to, um, is a question to answer, are we all one? Because I hear a lot about that in some of this higher thought consciousness. And in terms of our relationship to our creator, we are unified as being children in this large cosmic family, but we are individuated cells, if you might say, of the body of God. When we pass on from this life, we just don't go into this gigantic uh, metamorphic pool of energy. We retain our personality, our identity, our soul. We retain that uniqueness. But we are now in a place where we are becoming more unified and, and harmonized with one another so that we're not in a place of ego posturing and jockeying for position and recognition. It is a completely different way of living. A person who is self-actualized is aware of who he and she is in relationship to the creator and what your sacred purpose is for your life and what you can contribute of good and uh, goodness and truth and beauty into the growing collective planetary mind and then onward into the growing collective. There is a concept in the Arantia book, and I would like to touch upon that now because I did mention at the paradise level, there's something that is just, it's static. It doesn't change. The nature of God doesn't change. But there's also another level of God. If you consider that our creator is everything, then it's perfect and perfecting. So there's another level of the God nature where you and I and everyone else and all different levels of spiritual personalities and celestial personalities, universe brothers and sisters, get to participate in this growing, evolving Godhead so that we are becoming more unified with, within that growing evolutionary Godhead to be reflective of the nature of God. Now, this is a very big cosmic undertaking, and it's going to take billions and billions and billions of years to achieve. But you and I are participating, whether or not we recognize this, in this growing Godhead. So everything that we think and feel and act that is beautiful, truthful, and kind and good, that is adding into this growing evolutionary Godhead. The term they use in the Arantia book is called the supreme being. It is the nature of how we evolve into this growing Godhead. So I hope that helps to answer the question about the, um, the self-actualization as well, because we have the ability to become perfect like God is perfect, but it's in our own unique way that our creator is helping us grow and co-create together with us in that. Okay, let's continue on here. Let's go over to Thomas. What can you tell us about the missing years of Jesus? 
I would say read the book. <laughs> read the book. The does, years, read the book. Does yeah, it work on radio, yeah, my dear? Book, read the story. Yeah. The the missing years of Jesus are a beautiful account of how he became aware of who he truly was as a divine being, brought here to reveal the loving nature of God and to also show to God how humanity can perfect his, himself or herself itself. And so the missing years of Jesus go into all his um, growing up years. He had uh, a large family, brothers and sisters. His father, Joseph, died when he was 14. He was killed in a, um, a construction accident. And so Jesus had to take over his family and become like the father brother to his, his younger siblings. So he had parental experience. His mother, Mary, was pregnant with his baby sister, Ruth. And so she never knew her father, Joseph. So he had to be like a dad to her and help her grow up. You know, in the Jewish family, they were very tight knit. And so when he was in his early 20s, he started to separate himself from his family by helping his brothers take up uh, the, the duties of the, what they call like the elder son. And he started to strike out on his own. He left the home of Nazareth. He went to live with the uh, Zebedee family and uh, he became, a, a, he worked in, in carpentry. He was a fisherman. He went on some caravans uh, to explore the world and to get to know the world of humanity. He went to the, uh, he went to Rome. He actually met uh, the emperor Tiberius. He, um, he traveled the whole Roman uh, empire as he was a tutor for the wealthy son of an Indian merchant. And so he amassed a tremendous amount of life experience. And as he went along the way, he got to know how humans live and truly uh, live and work because it was part of his divine persona to understand the nature of the actual beings that he creates. So there's a tremendous amount of uh, information about the missing years of his life. And then it goes into the period between his, um, <clears throat> his public ministry and when he made that decision to strike out on his own and what his plan was, you know, to help humanity understand the nature of God. So it's a very comprehensive view of his, of the, of his missing years. And uh, if you're interested in, to know about Jesus, it is a very, very wonderful story, and it's easy to read. And the wisdom in his teachings will knock your socks off because it's something that it's never been revealed before, and it's so beautiful. It will just touch your heart and soul in new places. So I highly recommend that you read it. Okay, let's continue on here. And we got another question, I believe, from Darren. Is there a part of us that is divinely identical in all of us? Yes. Yes. That is our spirit. It is, I, I would say, it's, it's identical in function. But it is not identical in how it is ministering to us because we are unique identity. We are unique individuals. We have a unique identity and it is trying to help us become more cooperative with the divine nature. But the divine nature is basically identical. It's just how it functions in us is individual to our uh, particular biology, uh, our particular um, 
mindle inheritance, if you will, the, the cultural conditioning that we have. So it's both. An opioid overdose can kill, but naloxone can reverse an overdose and save a life. Naloxone is easily accessible and you don't need to visit a clinic to get it. Just ask a pharmacist for a prescription or get a naloxone kit from the Mississippi State Department of Health at no cost. If you or someone you know is at risk, carry naloxone with you and keep it at home. Parents of teenagers who may be using opioids, you are encouraged to receive a kit. Get life-saving naloxone at msdh.ms.gov slash naloxone. As a nurse, you're constantly in motion helping others. Isn't it time to take some steps forward to help yourself? Go from RN to BSN in as few as 12 months at Post University. Flexible online classes start soon. Apply now at post.edu. Post makes it personal. Identical in nature but not in function because of our own uniqueness. I hope that answers the question. All right. We got three more questions here for you. Uh, This one comes from Big J. Is there credence when it's said how we are put here to heal? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I think we're all here to heal and help one another become better people. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's the whole nature of uh, of human purpose to develop our souls and to be of loving service to one another. And I do want to make a mention here about the gospel that Jesus preached became a, it became um, diverted from his original message. Jesus' original gospel is very simple: faith in the creator parent of all and loving service to the family of humanity. And that's it, basically. I'm, I'm kind of restating it, but that's basically it in a nutshell. So we are all here to heal and help one another become better versions of ourselves. Okay, moving on here. Let's go to Scan Man. Does the book advocate a world government under God? It does, but it does in a way that is something that we evolve into and we are supposed to evolve a world government that is a representative type of government, not the type of over-controlled top-down of this world order that they're trying to foist upon us. It would be more or less based on the model of the United States, where there is an elected government, but everyone is now coming together in different regions to select a, what you might call like a world Congress. And so we have representative government, but it would be shared by the world. So there would be no more wars. We would end all these ideological conflicts because we would be all unified under the fact that we were all sons and daughters of God, that we all have our unique purpose and we are all here to harmonize and cooperate with one another to make this world a better place for everyone. Awesome. Okay, two more questions. This one comes from Big J. Was Jesus ever a Melchizedek? Yes. Yes, he was. But he was in a previous incarnation. The Arantia book talks about who Jesus was and his divine persona. And he was actually the creator of our universe. And one of his responsibilities as a creator sovereign in order to gain sovereignty over his domain, he had to undergo seven bestowals of the actual creatures, the actual children he creates. Melchizedek's are the universe teachers 
And he had to, he did incarnate as a Melchizedek, but he did not incarnate as a Melchizedek on this world. He only incarnated as a human on this world. But there are Melchizedeks on this world presently of the universe teaching order to help us understand and open to these higher universe principles so that we can create this higher planetary culture that we're in the throes of of developing right now as we let go of these old beliefs that have separated us from the the rest of our uh, universe family and, and our creator. All right. Final question from our audience. We have two minutes to go here. Let's go to Mama Catherine. Did Jesus marry? No, he did not. And he could not, he could marry, but he could not leave progeny. So he made a conscious decision when he was around the age of 19. There was a young woman who was very much in love with him, and she wanted to marry him, but he knew that he could not leave progeny. So, because that would have been, that would have set up a whole, it would have been a default of his mission. He was not supposed to leave progeny because he did not want to be the, the object of worship or any of his children an object of worship. So he did not marry. All right. With a minute to go here, I want to say a big thank you, Donna, for coming on in here and uh, generating a very interesting topic with us. And it's the first time we've talked about Uranthia on this show. And it's going to be interesting to see how the audience reacts to it, you know, because it's always interesting. But tell everybody where they can find your work, please. You can find me at the Institute of Christ Consciousness at Institute of Christ Consciousness at institutechristconsciousness.org. There's no of in the URL, institutechristconsciousness.org. And my email is simply Donna at institutechristconsciousness.org. And please check out the website um, and our our offerings, uh, the books that I've written, especially the new one, The Women Who Love Jesus, which is a spiritual account of the women apostles that Jesus commissioned and their spiritual story and their relationship with him. There's a lot of information there. I've tried to take some of the bigger concepts in the Arantia book and, and just make them a lot more easily accessible for to people to understand. All right, Donna Delangelo, thank you so much for coming on Spaced Out Radio. We very much appreciate you taking the time. Coming up next, we have Steve Stockton from Among the Missing. Then, right after that, yeah, Courtney Marcassani is here with another great UFO report. Hour three of Spaced Out Radio coming at you right after this. All right, Donna, thank you so much for coming on the show thank tonight. Thank you so much, Dave. That was a lot of fun, and I hope your your viewers enjoyed it. And, you know, maybe I'll get a few comments tomorrow. You never know. Absolutely. I'm sure people have a lot of fun with it. They usually do. And will you send me the links to all those other things like Spotify I, and all those other links? Yeah, all they have to do is type out Spaced Out Radio on, on Spotify and everything, and it'll come up as the first one there. Okay, super. Yeah. Okay, very good. Thank you so much. Take Have care. a wonderful rest of your evening. Good night, you and too. God bless you. Good night. Bye-bye now. All right. That's Donna D'Angelo there. And Courtney's looking wide awake. 
Her hair looks fantastic. I'm going to take a quick break here. I'll be right back, everybody.
Alright. We're almost ready, guys. We're almost ready. We're going to introduce uh, our new friend, Courtney, to a little tradition here in the next little bit. Yeah, because we always have to. We haven't done this in a while, so we're we're going to introduce her to it, if I don't forget. All right. Let's hide that. All right, we got just under a minute to go here. And a reminder to all of you, Super Chat is open. Thank you to Thomas for kicking off the Super Chat tonight. We very much appreciate it. And a big thank you to all of you who are new here, tuning us in for the first time. Don't forget to hit subscribe, ring that bell, because we are here seven days a week for your listening audience. And you can go to our website, spacedoutradio.com. We do not have ugly swag, people. No ugly swag. Yes, I am wearing Crocs tonight. If you don't believe me, there they are. Look how ugly these things are. But they are as comfortable as anything. Here we go. Would you like to connect with us? Head to spacedoutradio.com for all your latest show info. Now, back to Dave Scott and SOR. Here we go with the third and final hour of Spaced Out Radio tonight. My name is Dave Scott. Very much appreciate earning your listening ears wherever you are on this beautiful planet we call Earth. Hello to everyone listening in on our terrestrial affiliates around North America, digitally on Odyssey Radio, TalkStream Live, and KPNL. All of our archives are free. Join us at youtube.com forward slash Spaced Out Radio. Do old Davey the favor. Hit that subscribe button. The Desert Clam has set the password for tonight in the SOR Space Travelers Club. Wayage. Wayage is your password. Use it wisely, Space Travelers, as the Clam sets the password each and every night right here on Spaced Out Radio. Our website, spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the newswire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and you can join us on Patreon in the SOR Space Travelers Club. It is that time of the night where we say hello to Steve Stockton from the YouTube channel, Abug the Missing, for another spooky story. Hello, friends. Welcome to Among the Missing YouTube channel. On Spaced Out Radio, I'm Steve Stockton, and I'm about to take you on an unbelievable journey of people just like you. Their stories and encounters will haunt us on Among the Missing. We have Jack Thomas, who went missing from the Sawtooth Range in 2016. In 2016, a 66-year-old hiker, Jack Thomas, went missing while exploring the Sawtooth Range in the Rocky Mountains. Despite the efforts of Boise and Elmore County officials, who searched for Jack for two weeks near the Queens River Trailhead, he was not found. Jack had used a satellite GPS device to share his location on June 15th, 
but failed to return his plan the next day. A two-week search for Jack ended without finding a trace of the missing hiker. Seven years later, his remains were finally found. According to Boise County Sheriff Scott Turner, backcountry hikers located some of Jack's personal items in late July of 2023. They shared the GPS location of a wallet, clothing, and a hiking boot with Elmore County officials who determined the location was over the Boise County line. Thanks to the recovered items, Turner stated they were 99.9% .9 certain they'd located Jack. Turner said it took a few weeks to coordinate a search effort. The agency hired Sawtooth Outfitters to lead Boise County Sheriff's Detective Max Sprague, Boise County Coroner Pam Garlock, U.S. Forest Service Law Enforcement personnel, Idaho Mountain Search and Rescue officials, and a cadaver dog to the site where the items were found. In an interview, the medical examiner said she could accurately identify Jack's remains due to the serial number on a medical device used in a knee replacement. She said Jack probably succumbed to hypothermia due to a fall. Next up, Ian O'Brien, who went missing from Hesperius Mountain in 2023. Ian O'Brien, a 28-year-old experienced outdoorsman and former field guide for Open Sky Wilderness Therapy and camp counselor, set out on a solo hike on June 24, 2023, to explore a path to the peak of Hesperius Mountain. He was intimately familiar with the rugged wilderness surrounding the area. Ian texted a picture of himself at the summit to his partner, Beth Henshaw, at 6 p.m. Soon after that, his cell phone and GPS tracker went dead. When he failed to return that night, Beth and friends Ashley and Mike Higgs alerted authorities. Crews began looking for Ian almost as soon as he went missing. Search efforts included dozens of boots on the ground, drones, canines, all-terrain vehicles, and multiple helicopters, including Air Force Blackhawks. Ian packed only essentials for a day trip. Shorts, a tank top, his cell phone, GPS, a day pack with snacks, water, and his epilepsy medication. On September 2, 2023, at 1.40 p.m., the Montezuma County Sheriff's Office was notified that human remains had been discovered by two persons fishing in the remote area of the West Mancoast River in the Echo Basin area of the San Juan National Forest, which was an area that had been extensively searched. On September 7th, the Montezuma County coroner determined the cause and manner of death to be accidental drowning. Ian's family said in an online statement, While this is not the outcome any of us wanted, we are at peace that we have found him, and it gives us closure. Thank you to Steve Stockton from Among the Missing for another third hour of kicking off with a creepy story. Yeah, you can find more just like that by going to youtube.com forward slash among the missing and get dozens of stories just like that for free. So make sure you go visit his channel from the mysterious to the mysteries of the universe. It's a UFO report with Courtney Marcassani. Nobody's going to know. They're going to know. It's been another news day filled with David Grush, David Grush, and guess what? Even more David Grush. I mean, are we at the point with this guy here 
Okay, we talked about him just the other night. Are we at the point with this guy here that, you know, he is the official face of the UFO franchise? We're going to get you to unmute, my friend. I don't know what's going on, but the interview that he did with the Italian researchers and the military uh, guy that came out today, I've watched it twice looking for kernels and information. And, I mean, there's just some bombshells in there. I mean, he... I'm just astonished that he goes into the Atomic Energy Commission. He validates Corso's story. He goes into biologics again and talks about bodies. I mean, I'm just floored. I mean, anybody who watches this interview can't be floored at the things that he's saying. So if you're thinking franchise, I'm not thinking franchise. I'm going the other direction. Wait, wait, okay, what's the direction you're going then? Where are you going with this? I mean, I think that he's dropping some serious knowledge. I mean, he's talking about the Energy Commission. I mean, we know from all of our research that the Energy Commission is Battelle and the contractors for uranium and the Atomic Energy Commission. I mean, this is huge that he dropped that in this recent interview. So a lot of people had already been making those connections and weaving that together. But the fact that he validated it and this whole transnational secrets are tied into that, I thought that was I thought that was a bombshell. So okay, I want to slow this down a little bit because we're going to get into this <laughs> a lot tonight. We really are because of the importance of it all. So for our audience who doesn't know, David Grush recently had an interview with, uh, which can be seen on YouTube, with Italy's representatives from. ICER, so basically their MUFON-type group. And uh, with uh, uh, Paolo Gisardi being on the panel along with uh, a gentleman named Roberto Pignotti, president of the International Coalition for Extraterrestrial Research and the Italian Center for UFO Research. So what what is going on here? Because the first question I have for you regarding this is a couple of years ago, we saw Lou Elizondo and Tom DeLong meet with these same groups when they were part of the To the Stars Academy. An opioid overdose can kill, but naloxone can reverse an overdose and save a life. Naloxone is easily accessible, and you don't need to visit a clinic to get it. Just ask a pharmacist for a prescription or get a naloxone kit from the Mississippi State Department of Health at no cost. If you or someone you know is at risk, carry naloxone with you and keep it at home parents of teenagers who may be using opioids you are encouraged to receive a kit get life-saving naloxone at msdh.ms.gov naloxone as a nurse the one thing you don't do is stand still you're always going doing helping thinking solving saving your nursing career shouldn't stand still either post university can help you move it forward from rn to bsn from bsn to msn even from msn to dnp Learn more about our accredited programs at post.edu. Start taking steps toward an advanced degree. Apply now to Post University. Post makes it personal. Yes. What What does Italy have to do with UFOs and because American? They inf- have the 1933 crash information, and it was documented, and it was put into a category of 
another fraud and that it wasn't a serious case. And so when we saw TTSA meet with them, they wanted to know what the Americans know. And they were asking Lou Elizondo, well, what more can you tell us about, you know, not only our crash, but what's happening in the United States? And, you know, in the camera shot that they did with them at the table, you know, Lou just didn't give anything away. You know, it was kind of they were like crestfallen because they wanted to know more about it. But now think about it now with what he what Grush is saying and that he's validating the case and he's going even much further. So, you know, Lou was obviously knowing right on some level or um, knowing that that was going to come out in the future. And so it is orchestrated. I mean, you have to look at this as um, chess pieces on the board. That are being played. And so I am inclined to, I'm just, my jaw was dropping when I was watching that recent inter- interview with the Italians, with everything that he was connecting. Okay. So my question to you to follow up with this interview then is what does David, is David Grush holding back information and giving us morsels at a time? Or is he actually being given, in your opinion, new information to parse out to uh, different outlets? He has a lot of information. He's not telling us a lot. He is saying next year is going to be a year where things are going to hit a new level. And there's not going to be any stopping it. So I'm not exactly sure what that event is. He's not the only one that said it. Other people, other insiders have said that. But 2024 is going to be the year for disclosure. And so the fact that that's coming out, for people who've been in the game for a while, they're like, yeah, you know, whatever. We've heard that all before. But I I think we have to kind of take it with a new seriousness after what's come to light in this last year and the hearing and what's happening and that there's so much pressure, especially with the change out of the leadership of Arrow, I think that 2024 might actually be promising for a year of disclosure. And since David Grush is saying that something that is going to happen in 2024 that's going to be game-changing, I'm inclined to believe it. Yeah, I have been hearing things, too, that 2024 is supposed to be a power year for ufology, but like I like I I'm taking it with a grain of salt. We've heard it all before. It just you know what makes it different, and nobody is giving any insights whatsoever in regards to this. And I will say this: I don't know how you feel about it because we are still just getting to know each other on this program and and for what we do. But I have always been a real keen believer the last couple of years as there is a real bona fide difference between disclosure and confirmation of the phenomena. How do you feel about that? Do you feel we are in a disclosure movement or do you feel we are in a confirmation movement? We're still in confirmation. We're still in confirmation. And my feeling of looking at the phases, I think full disclosure would be, okay, we know non-human intelligence exists. We know that these are these different kinds of ways that they appear. We know that they use the diff- these different kinds of crafts. And it would be a full uh, full public awareness campaign if it's a full disclosure. That's the way I look at disclosure, that everybody's aware. It's not a conspiracy anymore. People aren't on the fence. People aren't going, oh, those wacky people over there. People are going, oh, my God, there's another civilization. That's disclosure for me, full tilt disclosure. 
So I do think we're getting closer to it. Will 2024 uh, um, revelations? I'm sure there will be. I'm sure there's going to be some. I'm sure there's going to be a lot more sightings and probably a lot more videos released. And I think that non-human intelligence will be established. I'm going to I'm going to put that out there. Yeah, I have to wonder as well, because I'm still believing that, you know, as long as we are continuing and there are people now, even though it's died off, that there is this threat narrative going on. Anytime we hear the word narrative, that tells me we're not close to any sort of disclosure movement, you know, because that tells me that there's still a lot of secrets that are out there that they are not tr- or that they are protecting for whatever reasons, whether whether it's for political reasons, whether it's for military reasons, whether it's for uh, reasons of breaking the law. You know what I'm saying? I mean, there's been a lot of law breaking over over the course of the last 70 years. He talked about wet work with the Italians on the video. He talked about assassinations and that he hadn't had a firsthand experience with someone who had experienced someone having assassination. But he talked with people and got testimony for people for the UAP task force of people who knew people who had gone missing on their job. I mean, how terrifying to have somebody that you work with and they just go missing on the job. And then, you know, that's considered wet work and assassination. So yeah, there are serious crimes that have been committed and he alludes to that. He alludes to it directly. He alluded to it in the hearing. He talks about it. And I think these things that are so refreshing and they're not just conspiracy theory anymore is what is, um, leads me to believe that there will be more revelations and that we'll have more information. Now, will we get a full disclosure? Um, I hope so. I hope so. And I have been one that I was so cynical, Dave, two years ago. <laughs> I was so at the bottom of the barrel and like, I'm so done. But I'm just feeling new life with all of these new things that are coming out. And you have to pay attention. That's the other thing. You really have to pay attention to what was talked about in the hearing and what was discussed and what was a no-go. And then you have to compare with what's happened now. And there have been in that video, some new bits of information and he's making more connections and you have to, you have to make those connections too. You have to be listening and then you have to be doing your own research. So I'm excited today about it. Cause I saw that video and I was just, my jaw was dropped. I couldn't get over it. Okay. In those new bits of information, what really stood out for you regarding what you haven't heard so far? He talked about the transnational secrets that are overlaid with the Manhattan Project. He talked about it. He explained how people can track it. That also goes back to the nuclear arms agreement that he mentioned in the hearing and where to find it. And so you can go back to the C-SPAN hearing and type in certain keywords and it'll pull up that section of the audio from the hearing so you can see it and find it. And he tells people exactly where to find the document. Now, The U.S. arms thing with Russia was all about how to notify one another if they had a UFO sighting so that they wouldn't launch a nuke because they thought it was some kind of incoming unknown weapon. And so he established that at the hearing. So people who were savvy could go and find that paperwork. I think it was in Georgetown University. Anyway, so then in this interview, 
new information that comes to light is he basically explains how the secrecy has worked with UFO secrecy and that it was built into the Atomic Energy Commission through this transnational secret thing that the U.S. uses. If there's a secret and it's an international secret, they build it in into a certain area of the government, which keeps it a secret because it was taken from a foreign a foreign place. And so it's a way to hide it because they want to keep that secret to the U.S. So he broke that all down, explained how the Manhattan Project was overlaid over it. And, and I thought that was incredible. I mean, we've had conversations about this in our groups for a long time about Battelle Industries and mining for uranium and the Atomic Energy Commission and how it's all connected to the Department of Energy. And he said 100% validated that. Not conspiracy anymore. He said that's where it is. So I think that's a huge, huge development for people who have been working on this for a long time. It's very validating. That's why I'm so happy tonight. I'm like, yay, we were on the right track. Okay, and and I agree with (laughs) your excitement. And by the way, it is probably that time of the night when we're getting into all this woo that we should uh, welcome in all the agents and agencies to tonight's show who are listening in. Give us a call sometime because, you know, we don't need to give you the number. You already have her, Courtney's number. You already have my number. So just ring us up, okay, and say hello. And don't forget that some of us, Maybe can or cannot be bought. I don't know. But uh, we just want to welcome in all the agents and agencies right about now. The so, alphabet agencies. Welcome, my friends. Absolutely. <laughs> They're always listening. <laughs> I do. You know what? I, I was told once on two different occasions that there are a minimum of three NSA people listening to this show each and every night. Well, do you think that's because they're interested in the topic, or do you think it's because they're monitoring us or both? <laughs> Is it uh, I was told, I was told specifically that it's because of the, there's more who listen in when it's a UFO topic and a monster topic, and that they are tuned in to hear what new information or what BS is being said at this time. And that's where ah, it lies. Okay. Yes. All right. So they, depending on the guest, okay, they listen and monitor a lot of shows. Like there are people literally paid to listen to podcasts and radio really? shows uh, just to I monitor what. How do you get what, that gig? How do you get doing. that gig? <laughs> well, I mean, but here's the thing. Let's say let's say you have a conversation with David Grush. And let's say that uh, the, as I wear my NSA hat here in full support, you know, um, thank you, Charlie, for the hat, by the way. Mama Susan, love you. And uh, let's say we say something that David Grush hasn't said out in public yet. Well, they're going to... Oh. They're going. They're 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 going through our words to see what we're saying, and that sure. that's not. And I, you know, for our audience listening in, you know, it's easy to say, "Oh, that's conspiracy theory." They're not listening in. What are they going to, you know, what's a radio show going to do? But this is straight from people's mouths that there are a minimum of three uh, listening at all times when we talk UFOs. So that's why we say hello to the agents and agencies tuning us in. Well, I've never had any serious problems, I have to say. I mean, I have um, 
I have had questions and I definitely know who folks are I and mean, they're in our groups mm-hmm. and people are, you know, sometimes open and say, I've been contacted by, you know, intelligence officers. And so it's, it's just kind of comes with the territory, but I didn't know the NSA listens to your program, at least three of them. Yeah. It's kind of cool. eh? It's very cool. I mean, at least you're getting, you know, you're getting them listening in and uh, hopefully we'll be, We'll be educating them if they're not already super educated about what's happening. I know who topics. I know who two of them in and two of them are, and they they haven't been in our chat. One has been in our chat room recently. The other one has not. I haven't figured out the third one yet. So, I'm 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 trying. You will. I'm trying. Yeah, you will. You know, but it, it works out. We're going to continue this conversation with about David Grush here because I think it's important that we do that. But we are only about 45 seconds away from our break at the bottom of the hour. And, um, you know, the important question that I want to ask you, and I want you to think about this during the break, is there's a good possibility. I'm playing devil's advocate here that David Grush is either A, leading us on and and, and leaving little clues along the way, or B, he is part of a PSYOP that could be out there to try and lead us down one or different directions of ufology. I want to get your opinion on this before we get to story number two later on in the next half hour of a of an airplane, an airliner had a close encounter with a UFO. Not a UAP, a UFO. Courtney Marcassani is here for the UFO report on Spaced Out Radio. We will be right back right after this. There we go. We are clear. It's pretty. So, what are you doing that's new? Did you put you, when you put the hat on? Yes, it's my NSA hat. Uh, See, uh, mm-hmm. Mama Catherine in our chat room, who I absolutely love and adore, and my my mother passed away um, in June, so I have adopted her as my new mom. Um, mm-hmm. She lives in Atlanta, and her and her son Charlie uh, came to our fan party last year in Las Vegas. And so Charlie is a linguist for the NSA. Oh, wow. I can't, I can't say what he does or, or, or what have you, but he is a linguist for, for the, um, NSA. And, uh, he is a brilliant man. And he brought me this beautiful NSA cap because Tim and I used to every night we'd say, "Have we welcome in all the agents and agencies?" And uh, we'd and we'd wave at them. And you know, I've never got the phone call. I I'm t- surprised. I I'm ha- so surprised you haven't gotten a phone call or an email or some kind of funny thing. I'm watching you. <laughs> never have. <laughs> Never have. Wow. Well, you, you know what, though? I, I can say this, and, and I've said this to the audience, and I know a few members of my audience don't like it when I say this. You know what? Pay off my mortgage. It's all I'm asking. Yes. You, I've heard you say that before. You want, you? <laughs> you want me to shut up? You want me to shut up, pay off my debt, pay off my mortgage, and Dave goes away a happy guy. 
Right now, I'm not saying that Dave isn't going to start a new channel, but right. uh, on the flip side, uh, you know, it might be something about, you know, growing green beans and sprouts, you know, <laughs> I don't know, you know, I was very Canadian the way you said that sprouts, you got a Canadian thing. I like it. it I am Canadian. <laughs> I know you are. It comes out sometimes like sprouts and about. Oh, yes. It's- so we're talking about the linguistics. Yes. So my stepbrother Charlie, because I've adopted his mom now, so we're stepbrothers mm-hmm. now. Uh, mm-hmm. He has uh, he he brought me this hat from the NSA, and I wear it proudly each time I I say that. So now that uh, you're part of the group, you'll see me all of a sudden switch hats during the night and uh, welcome in our agents and agencies. I'm on board. I have to I have to get a hat now. I have to get a. I have to get a three-letter agency hat. So that's, yes. I'm putting that, I'm manifesting that. I'm putting that out into the universe. Please well, when, me my- when you come to our fan party, May 10th through 12th in Reno, uh, I am going to, we're, we're going to convince Charlie. I think Mama Catherine still might be listening, uh, but we're going to convince Charlie to uh, get you an NSA hat too. Very cool. Yeah. Well, I saw the photos of the Vegas party. Boy, that looked like it was a, uh, happening time oh yes it was yes it was an absolute blast <laughs> i'm just trying to see here hold on it looked like it was off the hook fun you know what it was it was very tame but it was a lot really? of it, it was a lot of great fun it it really was and uh, i cannot wait and you know what for our listeners i i highly recommend that you take the opportunity to to join us and and be there with us because it is honestly so much fun. You know, when you're hanging out, there's one point where I get kind of emotional during the entire uh, time, and that is uh, um, we have a VIP party. Kira on our team put together a beautiful VIP party uh, at one of the uh, one of the lounges inside Golden Nugget, and it overlooked the entire um, the old strip, which is now Fremont wow. Street. Okay, <clears throat> and wow. for for me, I just stood in the middle, and and honestly, I I had a uh, a couple of tears in my eyes because I just took it all in. And watching my our listeners intermingle with the SOR people, but we also bring in a bunch of of um, of our guests. Everybody pays their own way. Like I'm paying my own way. Science Bob is paying his own way. It's not like a conference. It's just a get together to show appreciation for fans and guests and, and to watch, you know, like there was one picture I was trying to find it here for you. Um, you know, like you look on the couch here, um, you got listeners intermixed with, with Melinda Leslie and Bob and Jim Goodall and Lala and, and everybody else. Les Velez was there, you know, uh, Many others were there as well. Geraldina Roscoe, random guy, and a number of others. And watching everybody just intermix, it was awesome. Here we go. Hold on.
the final half hour of Spaced Out Radio tonight. The UFO Report with Courtney Marcassani continues right now. My name is Dave Scott. Thank you for tuning us in. Reminder to all of you that if you miss most of this show or others, you can check out our free archives by going to youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do me the favor, hit that subscribe button. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the newswire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and you can join us on Patreon by joining the SOR Space Travelers Club. We're talking David Grush here. Is he somebody who is towing the line, or is it something different? Courtney is here with us tonight. And right before the break, Courtney, I was mentioning to you about, I think there's a couple different sides that we have to go down with David Grush. And number one side is, is he leading us down a path and dropping clues? Like Lou Elizondo, the one thing that I learned to respect from him, and a lot of people uh, used to say, oh, Lou doesn't say anything on interviews. I used to get a lot. He dropped a lot of Easter eggs if you learned, knew how to read between the lines, number one. But number two, with David Grush, do we see him doing the exact same thing? Or do you think that his handlers an opioid overdose can kill but naloxone can reverse an overdose and save a life naloxone is easily accessible and you don't need to visit a clinic to get it just ask a pharmacist for a prescription or get a naloxone kit from the mississippi state department of health at no cost if you or someone you know is at risk carry naloxone with you and keep it at home parents of teenagers who may be using opioids you are encouraged to receive a kit Get life-saving naloxone at msdh.ms.gov slash naloxone. Ashley's Black Friday mattress sale is going on now. Save up to $900 on select purple adjustable mattress sets or receive a $300 instant gift with the purchase of a Tempur-Pedic adjustable mattress set. Plus, take advantage of low monthly payments with 60-month special financing in-store only. Visit your local Ashley store or ashley.com to shop the best Black Friday mattress deals only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval, no minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Whether it's governmental or private like Peter Peter Thiel, his handlers are are the ones kind of helping him drop information. What's your thoughts on this? No, I think there are strict guidelines for what he can drop or he goes to jail. I I think that there are serious penalties for him stepping outside the lines. And you've seen it with Lou too. You know, they just can't go past a certain, um, a certain mark in the sand or they go to jail. And so I think that he is trying his best to put out, I guess Easter eggs would be, would be a good way to look at it, but he's trying to drop bits of information. I mean, the Italians asked him about the Corso story and, you know, the Corso story has been so hotly debated, so contested. I mean, people have said, experts have said that half of it's fake and that there's parts of it that are credible and car- parts of it that aren't. And I heard David Grush today say that part of Corso's story is definitely validated and that he didn't ever meet him. You know, he was, you know, too young, but he basically was validating Corso's story. He said he couldn't validate the whole thing and all the nuances of it, but that is so important 
for him to validate that piece of work. And you do have to read between the lines and you do have to know all the backstory behind Corso and what he wrote. It's a great book. Um, but he, numerous things he went on the record about that I think are very important for the UFO community, for one, to keep it intact, but two, to help people that are trying to get more information and feel hopeful about the future. I got a lot out of his interview that he did. It was pretty remarkable. So no, I don't think he's a patsy. I think he has to be careful or he'll get in trouble. Why do you think the UFO community is so hard on David Grush? Because of, I think, a couple different reasons. I think that the way he presents, the way he presents his um, his feelings and his mannerisms, for one, are a little different. And so I think that he's not as easy when he's being interviewed. He's getting better. But I think that, for one, he's not um, he's not fluid at times, you know, and he has a bit of a, a different kind of cadence when he speaks. So that can't be underestimated, right? His presence somehow um, makes people feel uncomfortable. But I think, too, I think that um, it's hard to believe. It's hard to believe that he could get as far as he has. And I think people look at that and say, well, it's just a psyop. It's not real. And I think the reason why that is is because all the dissension that has been sown in the UFO community that nobody believes anything is real. I mean, Jacques Vallée said you can't trust anything past the 80s because it's so muddled. And so we're, we're so ingrained in that feeling of not trusting and not believing anything that um, we're willing to throw him under the bus. But I'm not, not yet. Okay. What would, what would be – or where do we – no. Sorry, I'm just trying. I've got so many thoughts going through my head at once here. Okay. Let me ask you this regarding evidence. People want evidence. David Grush is somebody who is filled with anecdotal evidence. A lot of hearsay. A lot of finger pointing. A lot of information that we will never see because it's already been passed over to Congress and other uh, areas that are going to benefit this on a governmental side. We have to take his word for it. And a lot of people are not happy with having to take another trust me, bro type situation, Courtney. So where do we draw the line on this? You know, with how do we know he's telling the truth? Because in the end, the majority of us are not experienced with agents or agencies. We think we know, but we have no clue. I had somebody say to me one time, um, we're just having a friendly chat and he looked at me all seriously. And he said, if there was an agent right next to you, you would never know it. And so I thought that was really insightful because we don't, we don't know how infiltrated the community is. We don't know how, um, how deep it goes I think that the fact that he said he has named buildings, he has named buildings, he has named where the biologics are, he has said this openly, that he has said this is where these bits of evidence are. So those kind of things are the things he took to the ICIG to say, I need protection because he couldn't get any further in to the UAP task force than he already had. He was seeing that there was going to be blockages 
And I think in some ways he probably saw his career was having to be sacrificed. So I think that, um, I think that he has given, he has named where evidence is. He's named where it is, but it hasn't got into the public view yet. And that's... I don't know that that we can blame him for that. I think our government, our our government is so um, messed up that it's um, it's not his fault because of the covert secret programs that he's trying to bring to light. So I would take the other approach and say he has named things, he has provided evidence, and the ICIG found it credible. He said that it, he was vulnerable, and so they saw that the evidence was maybe possibly going to be used against him. And that's why he went for the whistleblower protection. So I think all those things are actually the chain of command that he followed until he didn't have anywhere else to go. Well, I, and I can see where you, you say that. I Now, I personally believe him, okay? I think he is one of the most intriguing people out there right now. I'll tell you what I don't like about him is the fact that his handlers have come out of nowhere acting like professional sports agents in controlling who he talks to and who he doesn't within the UFO community. And if the rumor is true that if you want to do an interview with him, it's, it's around 3000 to $5,000. I have, Oh, wow. I had heard that. I, I have an issue with that. Now that's all speculation that I have heard over the last few weeks regarding him, you know, but I mean, does a guy named like David Grush need handlers? Well, I think because of the fact that he was so vulnerable. We're just waiting for Courtney's sky skylink to hook back up again. Yes. Once that happens, we'll be good. Usually takes about 30 seconds or so before it hooks back up. So uh, we'll bring her back in here momentarily once everything reconnects. But what do you think? Do you think David Grush is being a little bit uh, uh, heavy-handed with his handlers? Do you think that they are, are trying to obfuscate the story? and control what he says and what he does not say? Your thoughts on that? I mean, that's a deep question right there because we're hoping that this guy, we're hoping that this guy is the face of the franchise for ufology. But are we allowed to understand whether or not what he's saying is true. Are they going to allow us to have that opportunity rather than another trust me bro type situation? Now, for all intents and purposes, I will tell you right now, as I stated just a few minutes ago, I am on David Grush's team. Not personally, but I believe that he is trying to get the story out there. I believe that he is trying his best through his means to advance this subject. I think a lot of the issue, along with the paperwork that he has provided, 
in hearings goes at the fault of government agencies and and the hearings that go along with it because one thing about it is we've heard government officials talk about transparency. And you can't be transparent if you're not being transparent with the information. So, Courtney, we welcome you back here. And one of the things I was saying while your your Starlink rehooked up was the fact that that we have I believe David Grush. I believe he's provided information to Congress okay. and and other agencies that have, have asked for it. Okay, but the problem that we have, once again, is it falls down on the face of the word transparency that gets thrown around by uh, congressional people and senators very frequently, but we never see that transparency arise in the public. So do you think he's kind of, he being Grush, is caught in a catch-22, that he wants people to see the evidence, but it's being withheld? Yes, Yes. I mean, he said as much. He has said that he was pushing for transparency and trying to get the evidence and show where the IRADs were being spent and how they were going to the contractors. And um, he provided a lot of it. He provided. Ashley's Black Friday mattress sale is going on now. Save up to $900 on select purple adjustable mattress sets or receive a $300 instant gift with the purchase of a Tempur-Pedic adjustable mattress set. Plus, take advantage of low monthly payments with 60-month special financing in-store only. Visit your local Ashley store or ashley.com to shop the best Black Friday mattress deals only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. You know when you're really stressed or not feeling so great about your life or about yourself? Talking to someone who understands can really help. But who is that person? How do you find them? Where do you even start? Talkspace. Talkspace makes it easy to get the support you need. With Talkspace, you can go online, answer a few questions about your preferences, and be matched with a therapist. And because you'll meet your therapist online, you don't have to take time off work or arrange childcare. You'll meet on your schedule, whenever you feel most at ease. If you're depressed, stressed, struggling with a relationship, or if you want some counseling for you and your partner, or just need a little extra one-on-one support, Talkspace is here for you. Plus, Talkspace works with most major insurers, and most insured members only pay a $25 copay or less. No insurance, no problem. Now get $80 off of your first month when you go to Talkspace.com. Match with a licensed therapist today at Talkspace.com. Talkspace.com. I did a lot of information in the hearing for people to follow up on that hadn't had exposure. Um, I mean, it was groundbreaking in so many ways. And I think that this latest interview is just providing more. And I think more is going to come out. We just have to be patient. And I think that he has wanted transparency. And I think he was willing to fall on the sword essentially to bring it. So do you think his actions show that? Do you think I'm going to ask you a couple more questions about him before we move on to our next story? Do you think then that his life is in danger? Well, I definitely did. After the hearing and everything, I just felt a certain type of tension building. And, um, you know, the other two pilots said that they didn't have bad experiences. I thought that was the contrast that was really interesting when 
He was talking about all the threats, all the intimidation. He experienced it personally. He had had coworkers who had experienced it. He talked about it in this interview um, today with the, uh, with the Italian guys, where he said that he talked with witnesses who had experienced people disappearing on the job. And so that's pretty frightening. And so it tells you how risky, risky it is to, you know, take this approach that he's taking. And so he did say that he was threatened. I do think that it is part of this whole world to use those kind of tactics. I have one friend who's a researcher who was really close friends with Edgar Mitchell. And he said, Edgar said at one time, well, they're not whacking people anymore. Well, I'm not sure that's true. I think they have been whacking people. And I think that it's been going on for a really long time. And I think that's one of the really big reasons why they can't let things be transparent because of how deep it goes and how ugly it is. Yeah, and I would agree with you on that. And I want to just a comment that was in our chat room. Are we cheerleaders now? No, it's not about being cheerleaders for for David Grush or cheerleaders for the topic. It's about trying to take that step forward. And our job that Courtney and I do and Tim and I did was to try and read between the lines of what ufology isn't seeing. Okay, and kind of try and direct you in what we believe is the proper way to look at this subject, because it is very, very difficult to maneuver through this. I mean, it it would be like driving a Formula One car and every second turn, every 50 feet is a chicane that you got to turn left and then right. And then you go on a 50 foot straightaway and then another chicane and then another chicane. I mean, that's how ugly this story truly is for the public. And it's easy to conceive that the public is having a tough time trying to figure out who to believe and who not to believe, Courtney. Oh, well, if you just look into the um, World War II stuff and when the Atomic Energy Commission was started and how the contractors came in, right, and who ended up coming on the scene and then how it was supposed to be deregulated and then how it ended up in, you know, nowadays what the Department of Energy is, that is a whole, that, that minutia just in the Atomic Energy Commission takes so long to research, so long to study. And I liked that um, Grush mentioned it in the interview. And the only reason why is because I'd looked in that for so long, trying to understand why are they hiding it here? Why are all the secrets and all the secrecy in the Atomic Energy Commission? And when he validated that, I was like, well, good. It's not like I'm cheerleading, but it was a validation for me for so long looking into that and going, is this a dead end? Is Battelle Industries a dead end? They're not. And he just validated it. So I'm not really cheerleading. I'm kind of saying, give me more. (laughs) Give me more information. And how can I make my research work and maximize what I've already done? All right. Let's get to another story here. We've got about four minutes to go here. And this was a, a story that just popped up. Ryan Air. Maybe you've flown on it. Maybe you haven't. 
apparently came within just 20 meters of a UFO, according to a police log. Now, it had just taken off from Stansted Airport in Essex in the UK when the pilot spotted a black object at 4,000 feet. The sighting last year came to light following a Freedom of Information request to Essex Police. The object passed within 20 meters of the craft. The plane was traveling at 230 miles per hour, and the object was traveling from north to south. They have said that it was possibly a drone, but the drone monitoring equipment at the airport hadn't picked it up. The log records pardon me the log records of a potential ufo last year were also put into question uh, because at that time three aircraft spotted an object in their vicinity in the two of the air of the reports an object was picked up on the plane's traffic collision avoidance system at 500 feet when they were about to land but the pilots themselves couldn't see anything i mean this just sounds like like another strange report that we are getting into. And, you know, we're going to see a lot more of these coming forward. Vague uh, objects in the sky. We don't know if they're a drone. We don't know if it's a UFO. Your thoughts? Well, I thought it was interesting that the warning went off and that it was so close and that it was this black object that couldn't be, you know, couldn't be seen, but it was picked up with the warning system. I think that we're going to see a lot more of it. And I think that's one of the reasons why we're going to have more information coming out because we're going to see more of it and it can't be contained anymore. And so I think it's going to hit critical mass and there's going to be more and more sightings and more and more near misses. And I also think this is a bit of a prediction, but I also think with what's going on in the Middle East, there's going to be a lot more reports. Remember when there was that Israeli um, guy who worked in their version of NASA and he said, Hi, that there was, yeah, he said there was a program and he said the United States knows it and we know it. And I think that's going to come out. I think more of the Israeli U.S. connection is going to be coming out in the six months. Do you think it's a good thing that we have uh, commercial pilots talking about this stuff it before it was always so so vague and it was a hush hush thing um you know when when all reports of the united states were supposed to go to bigelow aerospace you know we never got anything out of them regarding these reports does it does yeah, it matter well, does it matter Yes, it matters that commercial air pilot, airline pilots are talking about this stuff because they see it and their passengers see it. There needs to be reporting mechanisms for commercial pilots. And finally, um, you know, they are talking about it. And they have um, the AIAA has been established for a long time and have been taking reporting from commercial pilots, but there's other ways too. So I think that it's very important that commercial pilots are reporting because they weren't for a long time. So yes, we need to, because it's safety, it's air safety. I would agree with you on that. And, you know, at some point we're going to have to get into the conversation about the public because the public like you like me is still being very ignored on our own sightings our own interactions with these craft with potential of extraterrestrial contact 
When do you see this, as we got about 30 seconds, when do you see this coming to fruition? Well, I think it's already happening now. Look at Peter Thiel. Doesn't he have an app now that you can, you know, and so does Stephen Greer. They have these private commercialized apps that you can download into your phone. So I think that's already happening. Whether it will happen at a national level and people to trust it, I think that's going to take a while. Courtney Marcusani on the UFO report tonight. Another great one filled with solid information. Courtney, we will talk to you in a couple of nights' time. And we want to say a big thank you to Steve Stockton from Among the Missing for another great report. And our guest tonight, Donna D'Angelo, for coming on in talking about Urantia. We got Mr. Ron Bumblefoot Thal rocking in the background with Little Brother is watching. Bubblefoot is the official music of Spaced Out Radio, rocking us in and out of every single show. Get your horns up for the guitar god himself. Special thanks to everybody listening in at home, at work, in your cars, wherever you may be. Thank you to everyone in our chat rooms tonight. YouTube, Twitch, LGAB, Facebook, Spreaker, LinkedIn, the Space Travelers Club, and on Twitter or X at hashtag SpacedOutRadio. Remember, this show is copyright by Spaced Out Radio and SOR Media Ventures Limited. Thank you so much for choosing to share your evening with us, because together, my friends, we own the night. Mr. Bumblefoot, we need a favor. We need you to take us home. Yes, the woo train has docked for the night. But soon, my friends, we shall ride again. Your seats are always available. Your tickets never expire. And if you want to bring a friend, we've got room for them, too. Good night. Ashley's Black Friday mattress sale is going on now. Save up to $900 on select purple adjustable mattress sets or receive a $300 instant gift with the purchase of a Tempur-Pedic adjustable mattress set. Plus, take advantage of low monthly payments with 60-month special financing in-store only. Visit your local Ashley store or ashley.com to shop the best Black Friday mattress deals only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval, no minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Earn $27.37 per hour after just two years as a transportation security officer at Greenville Mid-Delta Airport. These part-time positions start at $18.06 per hour, include excellent federal benefits, paid-on-the-job training, and a $1,000 sign-on bonus. Females are encouraged to apply. Apply online at jobs.tsa.gov TSO. That's jobs.tsa.gov TSO. Some conditions apply. U.S. citizenship required.